Welcome back to the Peripheral Reviews podcast, folks. Thank you guys for joining us this evening. It is uh, December 5th, 2023. I'm your host, Jake. Uh, my co-host, Errol, is with us. What's up, Errol? How are we doing tonight, brother? You know me? Just uh, hanging out, holding up. Ready to talk some fucking Wu-Tang? Oh, yeah. Well, we probably, we probably shouldn't because it's not really anything to fuck with, but... Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard that, but we're we're expected to bring the ruckus, so here we are. Right, uh, we're about to do that thing. Um, yeah, so another episode of the uh, Peripheral Views podcast. This one's pumped out for the music uh, series of the podcast. This is our third installment. Um, we've got two other uh, two other episodes in this series. Uh, previously, Lupe Fiasco's "The Cool," which we were just discussing, was a two part mammoth episode. Um, spanning across almost almost a full six hours of podcasting, but uh, so feel free to dive back into there. Plenty of content, plenty plenty of discussion around. We're that. just saying there's a bunch of stuff to add. We didn't even finish. <laughs> yeah, we just that's six hours of literally surface scratching. Like it's All about right. as, about as deep as we got. Um, and then the uh, the very first installment in that music series is the uh, the classic. Um, Gunfighter ballads and trail songs by Marty Robbins. I almost forgot yeah. we did that one, and that was uh, that was back over the summer. We pumped that one out. That's a great episode to also go back to. So, music series getting nice and diverse. Although we are going to hit another uh, another hip hop album. This one also an absolute classic, essential to the history of hip hop. We're talking about Enter the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers uh, by the Wu Tang Clan. This is uh, we are just crossing over the thirty year mark. Um, since this album came out, it's a 30 year anniversary of the album. Um, a little bit over 30 years. They're a little bit like, like, I don't know, like three, three weeks past the 30 year mark, but 30 years nonetheless. Um, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, first, first and foremost, let's hit some of the housekeeping notes. Um, we are on X or Twitter, um, at peripheral V123 on soundcloud.com forward slash peripheral views one, two, three. Catch us on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcast. Um, and if you do, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, PeripheralViewsPodcast.com, that's the that's the webpage. All our content is uploaded there um, for your streaming pleasures. And we can also be reached more directly um, at our email, uh, PeripheralViewsPodcast at gmail.com. Errol, um, we talked in the last episode, we introduced a new series to the pod. Uh, that was the history series. We talked about human endurance across the span of time, some historical achievements um, in endurance. Um, was there any, I, I had a bunch of things that kept popping up in my mind after we recorded that I was like, oh, I wish we would have hit that. I wish we would have hit that. I wish we would have hit that. Was there anything that came to mind for you? I think we, did we talk about like the first person to climb Everest? I don't know. I don't think we did. I don't think we really even talked. Well, we talked a little Everest when we, when we mentioned. Wind. Yeah. Cause there's, there's someone that there's someone that climbed unassisted with oxygen and that's like absurd. superhuman. Yeah. That's absolutely absurd. Um, I think one of the, there was some like endurance athletes or endurance um, marathon, ultra marathon achievements that I wanted to mention that I, I, I can't even remember the, the athlete's name now, unfortunately, but which is probably why I forgot him on the pod too, because I didn't have him written down. But um, yeah, I think we hit like once again. I think I think mostly I wanted to mention for that podcast that like obviously we weren't doing a full. It's impossible to discuss all of the endurance or physical strength in achievements across time. Um, I think we were really just trying to focus on endurance, right? Like that was kind of the 
Um, and what we found to be like specifically most um, impressive in terms of achievements that we stumbled across. But there's no way we, we, we weren't attempting to to uh, cover the entire entirety of, you know, human history. Yeah, there's and there's probably like feats that you'll never even know because like some dude was just never on to pass it on. But he just lived off of like boiled leather for like five years yeah yeah six shit like that like just just insane insane statistics stuff stuff that's like well things statistics that are unrecorded right like there's probably a you know a mountain of those um achievements or you know historical contextual um stories that could be told but you know we maybe we, if we circle back to it, it's not something we're not closed off to as we've always said for every podcast you know if i hear I'm, something I'm, i'll just bring it up in the middle sure. of a random podcast the intros are always worth worthwhile um listening to you know i i, I encourage people to uh, uh, you know any listeners jumping in to uh you know if you want to get right to the wu-tang you know skip ahead by all means but we always try to make sure that we're at least uh, touching base on like everything else that we're we're developing over here at the peripheral news podcast so we'll touch stuff uh do a quick recap of what we did previously and um try to stay on top of that aspect of the podcast as well because you know stuff does um emerge after recording that you know might be worthwhile to to mention so um, that's the housekeeping stuff um, and a quick recap of the previous podcast. Please go back and listen. It's the history number one episode. It's uh, uh, achievements in human endurance and physical strength. Um, we did a couple hours on that and hit as many uh, notes as we found, you know, just basically not, not a top 10, but like 10 of interest, we'll say, or so, you know, um, not, not a ranking by any chance, by any um, stretch, but you know, just 10 points of interest or so, you know, no, that, that juggling, the juggling wins, the juggling, the juggling statistic one. Uh, yeah. That's number one. If you you ask well. me. Yeah. It, uh, well, I mean, juggling. six days, you're six days staying up. That's crazy. Six days standing, moving. Yeah. Give me some water. <laughs> so I'll watch it. I'll watch the pins. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is that is genuine. Some of these have to be substantiated because they just sound unbelievable, uh, most of them. But uh, that being said, let's dive into the content of the day. Before we get um, rolling on the uh, Wu-Tang album, the iconic Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers record we, that we're going to kind of dissect and um, tease apart across, you know, track for track. We'll talk about all the Wu-Tang members, uh, who's our favorite, you know, I'm sure that we've both got um, we've both got our preferences. There's so many members, so there's a lot to talk about there. Dude, there's like how if dude, there is like a lot. Now. It's like in no, it's like in like the hundreds. Oh well, yeah, across time, I guess you've got like feature members and like if you've ever been on a record. I I mean it's it's genuinely the but there's a core right. There's a core. Oh yeah, select of them, um, and we'll list them off. We'll name them off. But let's before we do that, before we start diving down that road. Let's talk about uh, 1993, 30 years ago. Um, pretty big year for music. Um, there's some bangers this year, right? Like, what a what a year for music. I mean, I would say that like it's a it's a niche um, decade. The 90s for music, like, it has its own sound. Like the 90s, really, the 90s and 80s truly have their own sound, and the 70s for that matter as well. But like specifically, they it kind of got a lot darker in the 90s. I felt like. Um, Especially um, being that like rap music was especially rap music because rap music was starting to become like um, there was like the shock rap stuff, the the mafioso. Uh, yeah, stuff. like um, 
well yeah kind of like uh the stuff that like we used to listen to like mm-hmm. when we we're just edgy kids yeah big big l big l um um, it was a big one. Um, yeah, Big L was probably like the main one. There's some that we didn't like because that was probably like the only one. Now that I think about it, that was just like truly like that's bad. dark. That's like really I thought that was truly sh- truly shocking and dark, but also had merit in like what he was because I was right. here's the thing like around that time, and this is uh, what this album kind of like if you ask me like kickstarted was like the aggressive like battle rap like um just straight like like you said mafioso attacking like i'm better than you i am like i'm i'm better than you i'm scarier than you like you are a you're a bitch and i'm gonna tell you that and i'm gonna rhyme about it i'm gonna sing a song about it it was definitely like a and like the specifics of the album like um and and why this this next comment is actually like a little bit substantiated by like what the members had to say about it but like it was definitely it was a response to what was going on on the west coast between you know nwa and what nwa was doing in the late 80s because they kind of were like um the west coast kind of because when you think about like how when like hip-hop like originated um it was always like kind of like cool and like laid back and that was um on the east coast it was that was par for the course for a while even if you look at all the albums released it's mm-hmm. like a diggable planets and um what is it diggable planets and uh Doggy uh, style yeah or in a tribe called quest like very yeah. like chill like you know yeah, what I mean? And yeah, that yeah. was like, that was par for the course of what you were going to get when it comes like to East coast rap. And so it was nice that they're like, no, like, no, it's not all sweet over here. Like it's. Yeah. Like, they, they are um, certainly responsible for like a wave of, I mean, Wu-Tang Clan is truly one of the most influential. Um, well, I don't want to, I'm trying to avoid um, diving into the Wu-Tang discussion because I want to talk about like the, the surrounding artists of, of Wu-Tang before we get into them, because there is just like, they, but it's hard not to, because they, they really were just so influential. And especially at this time, they started really like shifting the sound. Um, but like, other than them, you had rock music, like grunge was still a, a, th- a thing. Like st- I say still a thing. It was probably at its peak at this point. I mean, you had yeah. Smashing Pumpkins and you had uh, Radiohead, which isn't quite grunge, but Pablo Honey, the album by Radiohead is like considered one of their best albums. And it's probably one of their most accessible in terms of sound albums. Um, but then you had, you had the follow, like probably the biggest piece of music that came out that year. I would not even probably, it definitely is, is, uh, in utero by Nirvana. And that's the follow it. That's the follow up to Nevermind. It was probably the most anticipated album of the year because Nevermind was genuinely like a, a tsunami of pop culture influence and like, just, just took the entire, just took Western civilization in terms of music by storm that album and so, like, oh shit, here comes Nirvana's next album. Like, what's it gonna be? And then they fucking delivered, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, are, are you familiar with the In Utero album? It's got, you know, I know you've heard some of the songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it, but I didn't like, uh, I've never like dissected it. I'm actually, I've been warming up to Nirvana. I never liked him growing up because I never understood what they were saying, what he was saying. Yeah, he's, he's a little whiny, but like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I just, I literally couldn't understand, like, I couldn't discern like the words he was trying to, you know what? That's why I really like one of my favorite bands growing up was cake. And yeah, cake's great, man. Also and, the, man. and the singer said like, uh, they're like, Oh, like, why were you like, what was your inspiration to like the way you sing? 
And he's like, you know, like Kurt Cobain sings. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I just wanted to do the exact opposite. Of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we just hear everything 100%. Like, you know, what's interesting though, is that there's a lot of like, um, there's like a lot of like, um, what's, uh, what's the word? I guess it's like, uh, hocus pocus type of, of like, it's like almost some witchcraft in like the way that Kurt Cobain sang because he would sing things in a way that like, okay, for the, the best other, like the more modern example that I can give is like Bon Iver. Like you listen to Bon Iver and like, he says shit in a way like the lyric, if you, if you read the lyrics, a lot of the times like Bon Iver's lyrics don't make a whole lot of sense. They're just like, it's just what sound it's like purely musical. It's like just what sounds good. And sometimes mm-hmm. he has to like make up words um, to just to fill a, a measure and I'm not saying all of his songs are like that. I'm just saying some of them are are definitely like I'm purely writing lyrics as a use as as a as a fill in as a vehicle for, for music. Yeah, yeah. And so like, not that Kurt Cobain was doing that. He was he was a pretty decent writer. Um, but I think the way he would sing, or like the way he would say shit, would get stuck in your head. I don't know how. It's like witchcraft. Like you sometimes there's so many songs that even to this day, I'm a huge Nirvana fan. I've listened to, I've read every lyric. I I know every song. I know every, like I, I had a big phase with Nirvana as an angry teenager, like, like a lot of kids, but like there are still songs to this day where I don't know what the fuck he said. I can't remember what he said. I've heard it so many times, not knowing what he said that like, I just forget whatever the lyric was, but it still gets stuck in your head. Cause it's goddamn witchcraft, whatever he's doing uh, or was doing no longer with us god rest i heard i heard someone sing a uh like a karaoke if it smells like teen spirit and i was like oh that's why people like this i was like they're (laughs) actually hearing this stuff i was like this is a really good i was like this is a really good song bro smells like teen spirit still that still knocks bro that's that song that song still bangs and then (laughs) after like i heard the lyrics and then like listened to the song again i was like yeah i was like this song fucking slaps you know what sucks about about nirvana too like i'm glad we're talking a little bit about nirvana because we are talking about an album from 93 so like 93 super relevant year for nirvana and grunge but the thing about nirvana that i actually think um and it it, it actually makes sense because they were so like anti-establishment and um, obviously Dave Grohl kind of went a different direction, you know, with Foo Fighters and whatever, but like, um, they're so anti-establishment that they were making like very, um, very like, uh, what's the word, like kind of fringe music, right? But yeah. fringe music was meant to be played r- way too loud in a very small setting. And so, like, instead what happened is these songs became major radio hits, and then people are kind of listening to them a little bit quieter in a, you know, in a uh, on a construction site or, a, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's playing on the radio somewhere in a setting where it actually probably should be blared. And if you listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit on full blast, that shit will fucking, that shit will rattle your brain. It is a, It is an actual, like, great rock song obviously people know that let's this is this is semantics 101 here like beating a dead horse truly like truly beating a dead horse this is this is like the the most known fact ever is that like smells like teen spirit happens to be one of the great rock songs of all time um but i i just mean i think people take it for granted because it's been heard so many times on the radio but if you if you truly give that a good spin at like a top tier volume like 
it packs a punch. That whole album, it packs a super punch. And it's a and in utero was a great follow-up to that, in my opinion. I, I actually really I prefer in utero. I think it was their uh personally I'd find it to be their best album. No. Yeah. Um Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins, huge hit. Uh you you mentioned a tribe, right? Like Tribe Called Quest. Um where do you rank Midnight Marauders um, on the tribe, you know, pantheon of, of records? I mean, they don't have like a ton of albums. I think they've got four or five, but is this, is Low End Theory the one or is Midnight Marauders kind of like right there at neck and neck? Dude, so it, it, it would have to be neck and neck. Like Low End Theory would like might get the, dude, it might get the coin flip, but I'd be lying if I said, like, Electric Relaxation isn't my fucking, like, go-to chill song. Yeah, yeah that's, like, your song. That's, like... That is, like, you know, but, like if I'm, like, long day, like, about to, like, take a shower or something, doing my old, like, my old beauty routine, like, my old face <laughs> cleanser, you know? Well, it is just a, such a relaxing... It's a beautiful song. Like, and this is uh, uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, who is the guy, man. He he was a great producer for them. And he really is like, he doesn't get enough credit as a producer because he, he truly was, uh, he was like, he he was their sound, truly. And RIP Fife Dog, too, because mm-hmm. this is the second time we've talked about Tribe. We talked about Tribe in a previous episode, too, but a uh, huge Tribe fan. I, I personally like Low in Theory. I think that thing is, I mean, it's, it's, those those are the, those are the two best tribe albums. Um, I don't think that's up for dispute. I mean, it's pretty clear. I, I don't. They only did one other one in the '90s, and then I think they did that um, that reunion one uh, around the time that Five Dog died, mm-hmm. which was good. We mentioned that that was good. That was a good album. But um, Low End Theory is was that the we got it from here. Yes. Yep. That's the one. Yep. That's, I, yeah. I, I really like that. It's very I, good. I no, it's very good. They did not lose a beat. Like they kept that still. That still knocks. That's why that one's still in the, it's in the mix with the rest of them. They're, they're great. They're all great albums. Um, and that, that's the thing too. It's not like I ever expected anything to come like the, to them to like, you know, to step like to not, to not step correct to like take a half step in what they're going to do. No, but um, no, it's no, always, you no. always see a lot of like artists, like almost change like drastically, whether it's like for good or for bad, but like it was still very much a tribe called quest album sounded just like their original sound really in its own but with a spin of like a little bit of spice of modern of modern music in there you know oh yeah just a, just a little sprinkle it's a little, little political too so sure oh well it was a very it came out in 2016 or so or i something. say a little political but it was uh it was pretty they have a song called donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so like... yeah yeah it was it was a tough time tough time to put an album out especially in the world of rap music, but um, Black Sunday, Cypress Hill, bro, Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill is another one that like, I feel like people take for granted a little bit. Cypress Hill's Black Sunday is a great album. That's a huge album in the history of, of uh, rap music too. So um, you got that doggy style by Snoop Dogg. Uh, you mentioned D- Diggable Planets was in there. Um, and by the way, Black Moon, people sleep on Black Moon, man. Black Moon is fucking dope. Uh, especially that album entered the stage. That is a that is a fucking dope album. That album is um it's like it's it's aggressive too. It's like and I think they're East Coast. I I, I don't really I think it's the it's the only album I've ever heard from Black Moon that I recall. Um, but I think it's East Coast and it is aggressive. Yeah, they're from Brooklyn. Um, but they're like uh yeah, Buckshot. That's right. Um, that album I remember being like, oh shit, these guys are like kind of going for the same thing the, not so much wu-tang that they reminded me of but they they have a sound of like 
um, Big L meets Tribe Called Quest. So you know what I mean, like like a like a, dig, like a digging in the crates. Kind of, yeah. That's a great, yeah. That that would be good. I think Buckshot might have even been, um, he might have been somewhere in the same mix as uh as Big L. I, I honestly don't, I don't really remember. Um, I'm, I've read about them. It's been years since I've read about. Not them. familiar with Black Moon. I'm telling you, some stuff just gets swept under my rug. I don't know yeah, why this, or how, but I well, feel like I'd one, really like them. No, you've you've. Here's the funny thing about it. If you go back and listen to them, like who got the props, like. I can pretty much guarantee you at one point in high school, like I, I was playing them for you. Cause I had them on like um, mix CDs or bur- whatever we were, the hell we were playing. I think it was probably, we were probably using CDs. Weren't we at that Christ time? World. Yeah. Yeah. We're at least at some point. Yeah. It wouldn't have been out of the question. Yeah. I think I did. I think I had a burnt CD or something, but I definitely was playing them out of my little Ford Taurus and shit. And uh, um, Oh, that's another one. That's a damn. That's a that. That's what they reminded me of. I, I should have said this was. It, they they sound a little bit like a softer Mob Deep. That's what okay. I was going to say. Um, which Mob Deep also had an album come out um, in ninety ninety three, but not their best album. But you know, um, the infamous obviously came out a couple years later, which was the that is the hip hop album of the nineties in my opinion. But um, wait, sorry, what one was the infamous Mob Deep? That's got okay. it's got shook ones. Yeah, it's got, shook ones. Yeah, it's got everything on it. I mean, that, that thing's an animal. It's so good. Survival of the fittest, temperatures rising, give up the goods, all that stuff. Like all, well, all that's it. So that's the thing. And like you'll you'll see it here too. All it takes is literally all you have to do is write the greatest hip hop song of all time. Like you don't need to every single song doesn't need to be the absolute greatest hip hop song of all time. But if you do it on that album, then that album is one of the greatest of all time. Like for forever, then like, it's, dude. Sh- yeah. If I had to like sh- aliens, they're like, what's hip hop? I'd be like, shook ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, really? yeah. 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 Yep. You are so right, man. That yeah. Is, I'd be like, here. Exactly I'd be like, this is. This is well. Th- more so, this is East Coast hip hop. This is like right. embodies East Coast hip hop, and it and it really does. It encapsulates it like absolutely perfect. It's like. It truly is. It's East Coast gangster. Just rap. like the the gloom. It, it feels it feels gross. It feels like you're in like a like a subway, like a dirty yeah. subway. Well, this is gonna be the that's gonna be like my hot take of the day when we get into the Wu Tang album. Is like like these are like not meant to be good guys. Like <laughs> this is important. No. To that. Like and that's the point. Like I know that like hip hop's taken a different. Um, it's taken a different path now where like a lot of like it's not it's a little less performative you know what i mean like this this all fell i think in the 90s i wasn't around in 93 i mean i was alive but not i was one so i don't think i was you know i don't think i had had a pair of like over the year headphones just rocking out to enter the wu-tang but uh i wish i had um but my my presu- my like presumption of like this hardcore like avant stuff from the 90s I think it was more performative than um, in terms of like, like they're just, it's, it's, it's shock rap. Like it's not meant for, um, I don't think they had an intention for like super high levels of, of uh, you know, public consumption on these. Like this was made, this album was, which we'll get into the details of this album was made like really, really cheap. And like, with absolutely no recording equipment. And I think that people need to remember that, especially um, as violent and as like aggressive as rap music got in the nineties. Um, 
it persisted that like pathway of being super aggressive and super violent and very like explicit and vulgar and all that. And like, obviously you had like, there were political ramifications of that, but like, um, which actually just in incentivizes it because it, it, every time that it got politicized in the public by the government or by um, whatever, by the, uh, the, uh, the recording industry or whatever it is, like wh- whoever was coming out publicly and saying that this is shocking and mothers against rap and this bullshit. Um, like well, thanks for the kids. Every time they did that, though, <laughs> that's Chappelle show right there, isn't it? Um, Every time that they would come out and do that, all it would do is boost CD CD sales. Like it would just make them make people want to listen more. Um, and I don't think it was really it wasn't intended for like um, it's intent. It's just it, it exists for the same reasons that like horror movies and gangster movies and action movies exist. Like it's it's here it's here to entertain. It's here for you to rap along to um, and you know bop your head to like this is what it's here for and hip-hop had a re- absolutely dominating decade in the 1990s um probably it probably would you say that it's like the single most important genre of music of the 1990s hip-hop yeah 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 absolutely without question because think, think think about the impact that that had into the early 2000s and up to now um yeah hip hop is technically um i believe the most popular uh popular uh, genre of music it is uh, going down if i'm not mistaken uh, to to pop but like yeah it was if i'm not mistaken uh, hip hop or rap is uh, the most popularized and i think it's due to the pomp and circumstance of it of course you have there's yeah. a you have all these people um uh, like you know bragging and like saying so much like grandiose stuff and then you get the uh, drama behind it because when you see all these egos clash eventually stuff happens it gets in the headlines and then um d- there's some people whose rap lives aren't as sweet as other people's that's the thing too right. so sure. here's the main not like problem i see with hip-hop but it's definitely like a uh, a point of contention because it does happen the stuff that people are rapping about mm-hmm. are at the best stories, like in you know in the Wu Tang Clan. Like I left a I left a curling iron on the stove for like ten minutes, then stuck it in his ass. Real like <laughs> like he didn't he didn't yeah. mutilate a person. Like no, you know what I mean? It's, it's performative, right? It's not right. It's not. But like you, you but do people have take people, it literally now, right? You do have people who are like like I sold crack and i was a gang member i've shot people i've i've shot people before and i would do it again if my like if i had to do it and like just wrapping that like kind of like 50 cent like 50 cent i don't think he'd be quick to be like i'm going to like just kill someone for like no reason as soon as i can uh but like he was like i'm i'm about that life because i've been about it yeah, you I think get, that's, that's the problem is that like it became you, like a code or a rite of passage to like live like now it is like almost expected that hip hop artists and I don't know much about hip hop in in today's age. I'm sure that like the Wu Tangs, there's probably new forms of. I would. I, it's funny because we, you know, how big of fans of like Odd Future we were back in the day, like Tyler the Creator mm-hmm. and Earl Sweatshirt and those guys, and like they were kind of forming their own version of Wu Tang for a new generation. They had like they were going for the same thing, just a. a, a well, if you think of, about it, it's almost like a. Um... 
and I, I didn't even realize this until like right now, or at least try to make or kind of make the uh, amalgamation of it. But it's almost like a culmination of like the '90s in general. Like it's a, it's just it's a like um like punk rap, not like punk, but it's a like grunge rap. Yeah, it had like a very like it was aggressive and it was like meant to sound dark. Like it had and like a depressing and it had like yeah, like a like a a dark undertone. Yeah, like there's these are angry young men. Like let's just let's just put it to put it to it to the truth here. Like put the truth out in in for in in the forefront here. Like these are angry young men who are super talented and like clearly have like an artistic vision and an artistic um and are you know they're artistically capable of expressing like their anger in a way that is entertaining both entertaining and like grandiose and also like can they also have like this wonderful this is why wu-tang is if you listen to wu-tang and you listen to groups of mcs like like wu-tang they benefit greatly from like being a big collection of of mcs and they're all good and you wonder like oh how lucky like how lucky would they have to be to like acquire like You've got Raekwon, Ghostface, Inspector Deck, RZA, and Jizza. Uh, you got you got these like a group of all time great lyricists, and they just so happen to coincide with the with the same group. It's like, what are the odds of that? It's like, no, I think they made each other better because there's a competitive nature in like, um, you know, in, in writing their lyrics. I would imagine iron iron sharpens iron. Truth, right? And it's when you have eight truth. swords clashing together, eight Wu Tang swords. Yep, you got the Shaolin sword. Let's go. The Shaolin Let's versus the Wu Tang style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so cool. It, it really is very unique. And the '90s had a lot of this. It's just like, um, it's just like you know, uh, uh, Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac. Like that feud was very public. Very obviously, everybody knows the story. But like, it's you it's East, also Co not... you East Coast or West Coast? Is it, or is that a stupid question? Who me? Yeah. Oh, bro, I'm big all day. I have to. I mean, it's just in my. It's it's just in me. This is just this is where I. This is where I'm at. It's also just like, but I have my phase with Tupac. Like Tupac has, a, a you know. I'm just saying, like like East Coast, West Coast in general. Yeah, I prefer the I prefer the East Coast sound just because it embodied what I. Because in my opinion, when you hear West Coast rap, like that, like twangy, you know, you know what I mean? That like that twangy synthesizer that like is kind of just drumming on the back. Yeah, like an Easy E song or an NWA song or a Dr. Dre or Ice Cube song, like all that that like twangy synthesizer that's like kind of kind of like you know uh, snaking in the background of, of a West Coast hip hop song. That just makes me. It, it kind of sounds like a like a. It almost sounds like a buzzard in a desert, um, like like California. You know what I mean? It makes you think of like the sun sizzling, whereas like when you hear uh when you hear like the boom bap stuff of the east coast hip-hop like that sounds like a, that sounds like that just like hard angry because it's fucking cold and it's it's cold out there's a so i i do like that and i know there is a it's it'd be disingenuous just to like rope the west coast all into just that kind of stuff but like yeah east coast it's always just it's like about it's always been about sampling shit yeah and like just true. like taking the best parts of it and like running mm -hmm. that yeah, Rizzo was a master of this. We'll we'll talk about this a lot, but yeah, like the East Coast stuff was definitely there's I don't know if there was more sampling. Uh, I'm sure there was sampling going on. I mean, that's this is the foundation of hip hop is to take 
pop music and sample it and then put it over and then, you know, do what they do to it. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be like, you know, to understand exactly how that process works. I'm sure that it's extremely elaborate and way more complicated. And this is why when you hear ignorant people like trying to turn to shit on hip hop, like there's like minimal talent there. It's like, you have no idea what goes into like instrumentation building and sampling. Like this, this stuff is, it's super complicated and it takes a really long time and it takes a really yeah. Complicated- like people act like you like don't need to understand music to like uh to like do that kind of stuff when like they're sampling like their favorite song like they're like their favorite genres i actually learned a lot i learned a lot about this through tyler the creator tyler the creator introduced me to like a lot of a lot of music that through his samples like i was listening like listen i've obviously listened to a bunch of his music um growing up you know he and i he you and i are the same age so we listened to him when he was like kind of making it and it was like oh shit man like i didn't know anything about roy ayers like i didn't know like that that wasn't that wasn't a thing i didn't know that like i heard the name quincy jones a million times but like did i ever sit down and listen to quincy jones like Hell no. Like, I don't know anything about Quincy Jones. I thought he made the Austin Powers song or some shit. Like, but then you go and listen to like what Quincy Jones was doing. And it's like, you hear like, uh, what is it like hot in the summertime or whatever that song is like, like, you're like, Oh shit. I've heard this in so many hip hop songs or, or, uh, I hope one day we can do a podcast about Stan Getz about the jazz, the famous jazz musician, Stan Getz. Like, I didn't know that the far side was like using Stan Getz samples and shit. And I was like, Oh, God damn it. I didn't know that, like, I didn't know that you could go and listen to Stan Getz and you would start hearing hip hop just strewn all over it. And it's kind of like almost a reverse engineering of music exposure because, like, that stuff is the origin. But for me, it's not. It's the opposite. It's like the origins are within hip hop. I listened to so much hip hop that it actually exposed me to the older music that was being sampled. And um, that stuff is like, it's endless. It's, it's just an endless well. And you get to, you get to like live through the artist in that way. It's really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so let's dive in a little bit. We talked 93. That's kind of the state of music in 93. It's very grungy. It's very aggressive. It's very, it's getting a little dark for sure. Um, you've got Pearl Jam's out there. Um, it's weird because at the same time, there's some like very like pop rock stuff that's out there. That's like kind of like, you know, a lot of uh, Hootie and the Blowfish type of, type of bands that are still like making music that sounds happy. And, you know, the 90s were weird. The 90s were really weird. We grew up in a very strange decade, but um, 93 was a big year. I would, I would say the most important, other than this Wu-Tang album, the most important album of the year was probably In Utero by Nirvana, just on a commercial and critical level. Um, Errol, any other albums from that year that were, uh, that stuck out to you? Yeah, not really. I was just born, so... Yeah. Oh, so you were just you were just a pub. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into uh, let's let's talk a little Wu Tang. Let's talk. Let's talk. Who, who do we got? Let's talk the members. Um, they kind of got started in the late eighties um, as like a different group. Um, Prince Rakim, otherwise known as RZA, that's what was his previous name, and then you had like the genius Jizza, um, who is uh, you know a personal favorite of mine i'm, I'm a big i'm, I'm jizzo that's my guy um personally um you got risen jizzo they're like, like the founding members um because they kind of started the previous group and they started like branching out um he been uh rizzo began collaborating with dennis coles later known as ghostface killer uh, another rapper from the stapleton houses of staten island the duo decided to create a hip-hop group with whose ethos would be a blend of eastern philosophy picked up from kung fu movies five percent nation teachings picked up on the new york streets 
and comic books. Wu-Tang Clan assembled in late 1992 with RZA as the de facto leader in the group's producer. RZA, an old dirty bastard, adopted the name for the group after the film Shaolin and Wu-Tang. The group developed backronyms for the name as hip-hop pioneers such as KRS-One and Big Daddy Kane did with their names, including we usually take all the N-words, garments, uh, witty, unpredictable talent and natural game and wisdom of the universe and the truth of a lot for the nation of gods. Um, yeah, I'm going to say N-word today. So <laughs> just, just for anybody curious, I, I'm a white male, so I'm going to go you ahead. You can just say like expletive. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm probably, yeah, but I want, I wanted to, uh, I want the listeners to know what's being said by the artist, with, but I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say the word, obviously. So um, I'm just going to, I'll just say the N word. because I've, I've said it before, but I want to just full disclaimer that I, I, I am black, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that if you listen to me, you really, <laughs> kind of well, hard. Like, I mean, the- listen, you're, you're, you, you, you do what you want as a black man. You could say, you could say it if you'd like, but I, as a, as a non-black no i just i don't want to like be like canceled because like if you look at some episodes like i when we're talking about like the lupe fiasco thing big hits i don't know he doesn't have any pictures up you're right (laughs) i don't we will put a picture. Oh just... <laughs> Listen, man, you, this is America. You don't have to prove your blackness, bro. You are. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You can say whatever you want. Um, I'm not gonna say it because I know because I'm gonna full full disclosure. Not a black person, so I'm not gonna say that word. Um, but uh, in the interest of like trying to actually stay true to the artist, I am gonna like. I will pop in just I'll just use the N word as a uh, as a fill in for it because I do want I do want to like stay true to the, what the artists were trying to say and like that's they're uh i think all members are of the wu-tang clan are black so they use that word um pretty categorically throughout their music so i'm just gonna make sure that i stay true to that and you know pump it in there um just without actually saying it um so who do we got we got rizza jizza inspected deck you got ghostface killer method man raekwon master killer capadon and formerly and deceased um old dirty bastard that's pretty much the core. Like, obviously you have a lot of like feature uh, artists that have like kind of jumped in, but um, it seems like RZA is like kind of like, as they said, he's like the de facto leader, but like in terms of like the Eastern stuff, like the, the Kung Fu stuff, like that is, that is his domain. Like, and I've heard some interviews with him. He is, he is a uh, savant of, of, uh, of Kung Fu, like of Kung, or at least Kung Fu culture, right? Like this is, this is his shit. He's down on this big time. Yeah, no, that would make sense because that's like the whole like inspiration. Yeah, it's the aura of like, and obviously he uses like samples from kung fu movies, um, plenty in this album and pretty much every Wu Tang album. Um, but they're all also all super talented. Um, we've seen a couple of these guys live. I should mention too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Raekwon. Um, I've seen Jizza and uh, I've seen Jizza and Method Man and Ghostface Killer um, live as well. Um, but I, uh, I haven't seen RZA live, unfortunately. I, and I've never seen them all together. I've always seen them in like pieces. Um, but Ghostface is also just like, I mean, they're all great. They're all so talented. It's, it's such an unbelievable group of artists. They're just, they're incredibly talented guys. And they just continue to, they continue to put music out to this day. Um, one of the most important rap groups by far, maybe the most important in terms of rap groups. Um, so Go ahead. I think you would be right to say that. Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to think of like a because that's so 
maybe it's because I'm biased because they're they started off with like a battle rap style, but like put Wu Tang Clan against another rap group, you you're gonna lose. <laughs> like you what? It's like not a- even a battle because it's not. It's like just passing ciphers. Like that's really what it is. It's just like, and they just they know how to like share the. World. I don't know. They're talking. Mm-hmm. They're talking shit to me. That's what I got. <laughs> that was yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I thought you meant like they're battling each other. Like they, no, no, no. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like that's, that's why like they're It's like it's their group versus like yeah. everyone else, and they're saying like they're all individually like better. So like. If you were to take a group and like put it against them, like they started off just like battle rapping and passing it to each other, like you don't want to face that group and like. A, <laughs> and granted, like if you were gonna technically do it, you'd want to like do like the numbers, like what group did more and like whatnot. But I'm like, nah, like that's not how hip hop works. <laughs> like if you yeah, want to be, if you're like the better go, group, like who would who, win? Who is? Yeah, nobody's the competing with them, like at all. No. No, and they're and they're the most aggressive in like um I mean there are solo artists that I actually think are probably uh that I prefer. Like I I, I would say that even even Mob Deep, which is like a, a that's not a real group, it's just the two guys. It's uh, uh Prodigy and and uh uh oh, I'm blanking on the other guy in Mob Deep. Jeez, what a what a uh, havoc, Jesus Christ. Uh ha- yeah, Havoc and Prodigy from, from Mob Deep, which I've also seen Mob Deep live, I will say. And um, I'm pretty confident to say it was the Dave, uh, Dave Morrison and I were the two white people at that concert, and that was it. <laughs> that was literally it. But it was fucking they're just like, how do they know? They're fucking amazing. Like, I don't even care. I was I was not, barely paying attention to the crowd. I was so enthralled with like their performance. They they were, and it was in New York City too. So it was like it was like that's the shit. Like it doesn't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I have preferences of artists over Wu Tang, but in terms of groups. Like you just, I don't think you're. They struck. Uh, what what is it? They they caught lightning in a bottle, because they just happened to get very very talented MCs all in one group, all in the same mission, and then got them to sit down and record in, like multiple albums together. Um, so let's well let's dive into it. Let's this we're talking. Uh, Enter the Wu Tang, thirty six chambers. This is a motherfucking debut album. Give yeah. me a break. Yikes. Has anyone ever come out this fucking hot on any debut, like their first album? Like any any hip hop group or hip hop artist, period. Like, I mean, you got, I guess, Illmatic. I mean, I guess that, that's kind of, that might be. That's uh, not fair, though. That's, that's like, not fair. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, Nas might be, uh, like the He's one of the, the sing- singular people equivalents of like what like the Wu Tang did. Yeah. Um, Only a year later, too. Not even a full year later, but Illmatic came out like ten months or not less than like six or seven months after this album. So, just to say that. So it goes. It makes me wonder. He was probably working on it like the whole time, but uh, maybe he just saw that he's like, "All right, I'm I'm going up to." <laughs> I'm gonna have they to get can, this album done. Let's yeah, go. He's like, if they're doing, maybe it. he had it. I like. I don't. I don't know what he did, but like. Um, for me, this is this is other than Illmatic, this is the single greatest in, um, debut album by hip hop uh, artist. Period. Ever. Period. Ever. Like from my perspective, I mean, uh, it's hard to say because actually, Ready to Die is technically considered a debut album. For me. Oh, they never. Yeah, what? Never I mean, what are you talking about? This is what, <laughs> What's going on? What's happening? But notice where are they all from? 
I just named three de- debut artists, and every single one of them was out of New York City. Not just New York, not just East Coast, New York City specifically. Different parts of New York. You had one from Staten Island in Wu-Tang. You got one from Brooklyn uh, with Biggie, and then you've got uh, Nas is out of Queens. So, like, I'm ready to die is probably actually this probably the most important. That might be the one, unfortunately. Although Illmatic, it's tough, man. Those are three unbelievable albums, by the way, we'll mention. Also, also very important to mention, you had Enter the Wu-Tang come out in November of, tw- of 1993. Illmatic comes out in April of 1994. So like, you know, a handful of months later. Ready to Die comes out in September of 94. Another four or five months later. These are out like, like people when that would the, the hip hop world doing? was just like what is going on? <laughs> just like, like what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> is there like a is something in the water? Like what is happening? Like I guess like they're probably because it is different to say that like oh you know Biggie was there's obviously famous videos of Biggie like kicking ciphers on the streets of Brooklyn like you know amongst amongst other MCs just passing the mic around but like it's a little different when you get like a bunch of producers together and then you make genuinely an all-time great album period like with the instrumentation with the production value with the lyrics on point with like the little intros and interludes and all that and just gets it get it just right and you're talking about three unbelievable albums truly like three of the greatest albums of all time regardless of genre and they all happen out of new york city in a very very short within like a year yeah, under a year. Yeah, ten months. Shocking, truly shocking. Um, and an unbelievable era of 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 hip hop music. Um, I think Jay Z. We'll, we'll look at Jay Z. I mean, Jay Z's in the mix in this era too. Um, I'm not sure when his debut. His he's got a great debut album too. Reasonable doubt. Um, that's a few years later though. That's '96. So he's um. I mean, but he's in the mix and he's also out of Brooklyn. Um. But doing a lot of the same stuff. Everybody's kind of pushing the same style. Um, not exactly the same style. That's the wrong way to put it. It's just more so like the the mafioso um, style of lyric lyrical writing is is that's front and center, right? That's what's kind of taking the taking the, the genre by storm. And I think a lot most of that is probably influenced by NWA. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, so let's dive back into 36 Chambers. We kind of got a sense of where it lies in the pantheon of, you know, 90s albums and specifically that 93, 94 range. Um, but uh, it's got, as as uh, as described, it's um, it's gritty and nasty and it's got, it's still boom bap, just like, um, just like a lot of the East Coast stuff. But it definitely, like, it plays on where you kind of hear Illmatic and you hear Ready to Die. You hear albums like that. You hear House of Pain albums. You hear, um, you know, you hear Tribe Low End Theory by Tribe. And they sound pretty polished, right? They sound like they're a finished product. And they sound like even sometimes the samples sound a little poppy or they sound a little like soulful. This ain't soulful at all, although there's a little bit of soul in it. Um, yeah. This is like it's like gritty and nasty and like kind of scratchy. It sounds like something you play on an eight track. Yeah. What do you think that does for it? Does, it, does that, does that help it? Or do you think there would be a, is that part of the, what the album is? Or do you think that it could have benefited from like a remastering um, with like a little bit higher production? I do not. I do not think it would have benefited from a remastering of production. It is that grittiness that kind of gives it the, the straight out the gutter you know what i mean 
yeah feel that they're like i don't i don't i wouldn't say like that's what they're going for but that is kind of like the like stilo is like they're just just a bunch of it's just a i mean old dirty bastard it's just a dirty group and and that's the thing here's the thing too and it's uh, almost a accentuates exactly what they're doing they didn't even need that at the time they didn't need the perfect like they're like nah give me a gritty ass like doesn't even matter no they didn't and it was it was only based on like what they had to work with like this is just what they had to work with like this is what this is what made the rizza rizza such a genius like i mean he he basically had very 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 limited uh resources to like um you know to put this together um, specifically. And um, it was based, you're right. It was based on like a lot of battles, like between the MCs, like that's how the, that's how the album got written. I mean, it's not constructed that way. Uh, They're more so like kind of playing off each other and like propping each other up throughout the album lyrically. Um, But it is, I think that's how they kind of started to develop the the lyrics for the album was by battling each other, like letting Rizza drop some kind of track that he, you know, half produced, track or, uh, or two and then letting letting guys like drop ciphers over them against each other and it is nothing sounds like it it really doesn't and i think it, what plays beautifully is that like um that he took those uh samples from the kung fu movie from the shaolin movies um and from enter the dragon like he took those awesome um bits of dialogue those, like really scratchy shitty like it almost sounds like he pulled it off of a VHS. Like he just popped a tape recorder over a VHS TV or something. Um, and it just sounds great. It just fits so perfect. I, I just love, I love the way it sounds. And for me, it's like, listen, there's something, there's something real cool about listening to something that doesn't sound quite as good. This is the Bob Dylan effect. Like Bob Dylan did not have a good singing voice, but everybody who listened to them thought they were cool because they were like, yeah, this is, this guy's, this guy's actually really smart, even though he doesn't sound like a great folk singer, but he's actually has, he's actually like a prolific genius writer. Yeah. It's, um, it's deeper than that. And there's, you can hear the pain in it. Yeah, exactly. It, almost, it goes past like, uh, it goes past like ironically liking it to like, no, it's, he's doing it on bits. It's better. Cause yeah. he does it. It's performative. And also you use the word like straight out of the gutter. It is guttural. Like the sound is guttural. Like it has that it is of that essence. And um, they're also just it. I think some I read somewhere somebody was critiquing it, uh, the album, not negatively, but they were they mentioned, um, and I thought this was on the money. The low, the low fidelity sound, like that very lo-fi sound that the album produces, it perfectly is matched by their aggressive, like the 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 aggression and like the kind of spitting at the mic like you know what i mean like they're it's not that they're like volumes or they're 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 like mids aren't off on their like on their you know no, but just the uh the the dichotomy between it yeah it's perfect it just works perfect it's just like it's it's scratchy it's aggressive it sounds underground and then it influenced a ton of other you know rap music um i guess uh well listen i don't want to deliberate too much because we do we do want to get to the album itself um one of the most revered albums in the history of music. The album in, in 2020, the album was ranked 27th on Rolling Stone's updated list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. That is absurd. I mean, that is what a spot like 27 of 500 top, all top albums. 30. Yeah. All time. And not, not like, cause it'd be disingenuous if that was hip hop, but like, yeah, just all time, like most influential. Yeah. 
albums. Yeah, I would say that that is it. It is not necessarily that this album is um, has something like deeply political or deeply important to say about the world. It's not about that. It's about what it did for hip hop. This it, I think I think it has something album. deeply political to say to the world. That's Wu Tang is here. They're they nothing to fuck. They're with. here to stay. Yeah, they're nothing to fuck with. They're yeah, no, they're on the swarm. Well, I, 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 no, I just, I just mean like lyrical content. Like uh, the lyrical content is genius, and they, they, they are the masters of like pop culture, like pop culture references, like and like. By the way, the pop culture references are like layered upon layered upon layered. Just like we talked about with, with Lupe, like when you go into the genius, uh, it's almost to- like they they set the precedent. Not like True. for real, because it's always been like needed like it's always nice to have a callback to something and especially in hip-hop but like they just came with it like all the time they're like yeah this is like the norm yeah yeah they came at it like an onion like listen to this that's like it's kind of like the shining i know Nas said it like deep like the shining like in that one he, he actually mentions that in a nomadic song i heard recently um and it's it, it's true it is it's it's like The Shining. The Shining works when you watch the film as just like a spooky movie, but it also works if you want to go deeper. If you want to start peeling back the onion layers a little bit, there's more to be found. And that's that's Wu Tang. That is Wu Tang, and that's a lot of hip hop music, but it's definitely Wu Tang. Wu Tang falls in that in that world. I just mean to say it's not a Kendrick Lamar album where like he's saying something. He's always he's always trying to get a message across that's regarding um, socio political you know the the racial politics of of the country like i know that they, they touch upon that but it's not they're they're not making music for that purpose they're making music for to advance the genre to make the genre better and they they did it in spades i mean kendrick lamar is an example of somebody who was who, who doesn't exist without wu-tang you know um but also managed to kind of do both like he kind of advanced the genre in the modern era while also having something very deeply important to say about American politics and racial politics in the country. So that, that is the one thing I will give the West coast because it has always been more political. That's for sure. That's for sure. And that starts with NWA, right? That's yeah. As, as important as Wu-Tang is, I also don't want to say something about NWA earlier. (laughs) You're like, these young men are angry. And I was like, what if NWA was just like, Angry young men, just <laughs> ay, aym. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> that's that's if they were, yeah. That's if they were fucking lame as shit like me. Um, Be if Beastie Boys switched up their name, they're just angry young men. Angry boys. This is the Angry Boys Clan. Uh, anyways, uh, I was what I was gonna say there was I was gonna say um, as important as uh, Wu Tang is. I will definitely. I think NWA is the single most important entity in the history of, of rap music, even above Wu Tang, because I actually think the Wu Tang Clan is a response to NWA almost almost directly. Um, and because there are also a group. I mean, there were a group of only I think uh, four guys, or three guys, no four guys, right? Dre, Easy E, Ice Cube, and Ice Cube uh, and um, MC Red. So you. You get a group of four guys, and, uh, and Wu Tang's just like, "Fuck it, we're doubling you up. <laughs> we're gonna double you up with eight. Um, And then this this definitely felt felt a little bit like a response to a lot of the aggressive um, West Coast hip hop that was out at the time. Um, but I do think with I do think Wu Tang 
doesn't exist in the form that is it exists today without NWA. And I think that goes for pretty much most, most rap music. NWA, I think still to this day is the most important entity in the history of the, the genre. Um, but that being said, I mean, it is an iconic album. It is still, uh, it is the, the, in my opinion, the single most important album in East coast hip hop, uh, history. Um, and, and definitely among the best. Um, so Errol, um, I think we introduced the album well enough. Uh, would you agree or do you have any more that you'd like to add? No, that's about it. That was, yeah, that was pretty good. Perfect. All right. Well, that being the case, we can talk a little bit about the reception of the album going for, uh, maybe to, to close the show out. But in the meantime, before we get to any of that, I think we do need to do a track by track. That's the kind of the format of the podcast, especially the music series. We want to give a little bit of samples, um, or, or a few samples of each, of each track, um, just so listeners can have an idea of what we're talking about and what the, the sound of the album is. That being said, let's dive into it. Let's bring the motherfucking ruckus. This is track number one from Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. This song is Bring the Ruckus. Shaolin shadow boxing and the Wu-Tang sword style. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu-Tang sword can defeat me? On guard, I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Don't space, catch the blast of a hype burst. My clock burst, leaving a hearse, I did worse. I come rough, jump like an elephant tusk. Your head rush, fly like Egyptian musk. Aw, oh, shit, we take clear, spark the wixen. However, I mastered a trick just like Nixon. Causing terror, quick damage, your whole error. Hard rocks is locked the fuck up, I found shot. Yellow style, hazardous, cause I wreck this dangerous. I blow spots like Waco, Texas. I watch my back like I'm locked down. Hardcore hitting sound, watch me act broke and tear down. A little bit tight asshole. Songs going gold, no doubt. And you're watching corny make the foe. Yeah, they faking all that. Carrying gats with your mind playing, rolling like 40 max. Now you act convinced, I guess it makes sense. Wu Tang, yo, so represent. I wait for one to act up. Now I got him backed up. Gun to his neck now, react what? And that's one in the chamber. Wu Tang banger, 36 styles of danger. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the mother, bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus. Okay, that is Bring the Ruckus. That is track number one. That is off the Shaolin Sword side of the uh, of the of the record of the vinyl slash cassette. Um, you got Ghostface, you got Jizza, you got Inspector Deck, Raekwon, and Rizza on the chorus, bringing the motherfucking ruckus. What do you think, Errol? For a first track, not too bad, right? Um, I think it's a, a very strong way to start off a uh, a very strong album. Mm-hmm. There's like they they come with the messages that the first thing that you're hearing from them with their debut, and they're bringing the ruckus. Like they're 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 just setting the tone for exactly what you're gonna get, and it's it, dude, it hits the whole time. Um, <laughs> and they and they mean it. 
they really do bring the ruckus. Like that is the it perfectly describes the way that they attack Mike on this track. They genuinely bring the ruckus. You you said he has a lot of uh, or the uh, RZA had a lot of like Japanese influence. Um, if you ask me, I don't think it's confirmed or anything, but I'm almost positive this is a Godzilla reference not the bring the well maybe the bring the ruckus I, he absolutely does that but the uh the samples that he's using i sw- the only thing i hear is the king Ghidorah. the oh right like yeah. the little well, so and it just makes sense just like they're giant monsters just like you know using that and then just like bring the ruckus because i mean so he, that's when i hear this when i hear this i just i i just imagine godzilla stomping through the town like just yeah i mean i don't think that i don't think he's using i think you're right in terms of like that's that's definitely what i'm 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 hearing that from i'm like hearing a bit of that um i'm like in terms of like the influence i don't think that's what the well the the dialogue sample is from shaolin and mutang from the, the film, right um, oh, the kung fu movie uh, i'm trying to look there is there is an album out there i think it's kind of hard to find um I did find it in a digital format. I'm wondering if there's a vinyl out there that um, where it's actually the album samples, all of them. Um, but what I've got is for this for this one, um, for Bring the Ruckus, I've got uh, Synthetic Substitution by uh, Melvin Bliss. I've got CB number two by Ralph Vargas and Carlos Bess. Um, and I've got um, uh, Enter the 37th Chamber. Okay, that was, it's covers. Yeah, and then it was it was used it was sampled multiple times but those are the three major samples in terms of the uh just the actual um that horn and stuff in the background the brah, brah, like that mm-hmm. that's that's probably from the synthetic substitution by melvin bliss um and then obviously you have that dialogue up front out of the shaolin and wu-tang which actually works great and it does introduce the like concept of what they're interested in like i, lo- I this is what i love about them the, like i actually like that they don't they aren't trying to build like full-blown concept albums that are like linear and plot driven or they have like some singular theme it's just like here's a skeleton here's a scaffold of like what we're getting at like the eastern philosophy we want to talk about that in our albums a little bit and it's kind of what influences us and the the badassery and the you know the violence of like kung fu movies is what we're getting at like that's what we're into that's and it's cool as shit and especially in the 90s it was even cooler um i would say that it's aged really well um but like rizza just just hitting you with that bring the motherfucking ruckus like the way the way he's um like i was just saying offline that like i i actually always thought that that was method man just because method man's always so aggressive but um it's in like borderline hysterics yeah yeah i mean he's at least it sounds like it what i read was that he was trying to he was trying to build the song to be like a club banger that people could like shout in the club. And it's just what came out of him. Like he wanted it to be something that everybody was like screaming along to. And I mean, that's what it turned into. It actually worked. It wasn't a club song. It wasn't a song that guys were like, you know, um, nobody was da- like dancing to it. I mean, it's people were knocking to it, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't what he was going for, but it came, it became, it kind of developed its own, um its own like version um of like boy you you go to a, a, a if you see risen perform this live like everybody's just everybody's knocking with them it's great um 
lyrics what do you think about the lyrics? is there any lyrics that stand out that like kind of like really uh made chuckle or i mean they're, they're always kind of, they're pretty funny i mean all the way through but i i feel like just the most audacious one just because it's like your first introduction to to him is mm-hmm. the definitely the verse three inspected deck the oh yeah yeah, yeah. inspected deck brings bitches. it I roll groups to get a message with biscuits. It's, yeah, <laughs> he, he and Inspector Deck underrated one of the uh, one one of the best lyricists in in the group for sure. Um, I mean, he has like I I think he has a little bit more of a laid back. Um, uh, like he doesn't bring it as hard, and he's in terms of he's he, he's not quite as like uh, fast. But in terms of like the content, the lyrical content, it's it's second to almost none in the group. Um, I provoke uh, brothers to kick buckets. Like that's one of my favorite lines from Jizza. <laughs> that line kills me every time. Uh, and uh, obviously, Jizza, like an absolute genius. Um, he he's another one that like li- li- like he's my favorite because uh, he brings both. Like he just embodies this group, in my opinion. Jizza bring he like truly like because he raps about like um he raps about like esoteric shit. Um, and he's just not, he's like a Lupe, like in, in some small way, like he's just not dumbing it down. Um, but yeah, this, this one still brings the heat and it's a great entry to the album just by and large. Um, you want to move into the next one? What do you think? Oh yeah, we can. Yeah, we could send it. Yeah, we'll keep it moving. Okay. Next album, Errol, I'm going to let you repeat. I'm going I'm to let you introduce the next one. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably uh, that's probably fair. Um, the <laughs> Number next two album is uh, "Shame on a Nigga." Coming up next, take a listen. album the 36 chambers album um this one's got uh this one so you get introduced to a couple more uh a couple more members here that weren't in the well at least one more no two two members that were not in the uh, first track you get method man in the introdu- introduction to old dirty bastard like it's the first time people had, had heard him on an album before um and he brings it on this album or on this track does he not like oh yeah, hell yeah. 
Is this a, would you would you rank this among your favorite tracks on the album? Um, what, what do you think about it? So the the only reason I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorites is just because the um, the beat isn't as iconic. But this is um, you could tell that they're having some fun here. Yeah, this was like a fun. This was a hype track. This was like the right. like one, their original like hype track for that. Um, and like I think it's just perfect. You get the you get the perfect three uh, MCs for a track like this. Like between like Raekwon always always like super live. Uh, Method Man, same deal, and Old Dirty Bastard. Just Old Dirty Bastard. This this uh, this instrumental embodies Old Dirty Bastard. You hear this instrumental, right, yeah. you just want to hear him because like he's he's what fits most. He's the MC of the group that fits this track most. Um, let's take a look at samples. Uh, Different Strokes by Sil Johnson. You got oh, you got some Thelonious Monk in there. Black and ta- uh, Black and Tan Fantasy. And uh, ooh, they sampled uh, Cool J. Mama said, "Knock you out" is in there somewhere as a sample. Ooh. Interestingly enough, one of the biggest songs of the time. Oh yeah, huge, huge. That's another iconic uh, figure in uh, in hip hop at the time. Um, okay, so cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a probably, really dude. We have to talk about the. Uh, I think it was Coolio. We got to talk about like the Coolio. Uh, Coolio had a beef with this one guy. I can't think of his name right now, but he was a really. Uh, it was like one of the like no oh, weird hours at the time. No, <laughs> wait, no, no, no. Sorry, it wasn't. Get, bear with me. I'll get back with this. But it's it. There's there's something there. I'll. But yeah, go. Ahead. Coolio had. Oh, did Coolio have beef with uh, Be Real from uh, Cypress Hill? No, no. I mean, I'm not saying no to that, but that that wasn't it. I'll um I'll think about it. It wasn't even it wasn't even Coolio. I'm getting my my lines crossed. That's all right. We'll circle circle back to it when you get your hands oh, up. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just talk a little bit more about this track. Shame on a, you know, um, I think Old Dirty Bastard steals the track. If from my perspective, like as good as Method Man is, Method, Raekwon obviously and Method Man, they have um, you know, they got they've got great bars in this one too. It's it's a little bit on the short side, but um, as far as I'm concerned, this is Old Dirty Bastard's track front and back. This is all him. Like yeah, I think so too. And I don't know if I feel that way just. Like because of like post hominis, but like this is when I think of ODB, this is like him shining. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but like by the way, his lyrics are like his lyrics are good, but they're not as good as Raekwon and Method Man. It just doesn't matter. Like he's well, just so he says shit. That well, so you say they're like not as good, but like you know he's got the what you're saying before. Like they have a bunch of references. References. Uh, what's it? The old Warriors come out and play. Yeah, that's from the movie. Yeah. The what? What's the movie? Warriors, yeah, yeah the so near, about Warriors. the New York yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, burn me. I get into shit. I let it out like diarrhea. Got burnt once, but that was only gonorrhea. Dirty. I keep shit stains in my drawers so I can get busy funky for you. <laughs> okay, you got me there. But the next one, the next thing he says, murder taste. <laughs> Murder, taste the flame of the Wu Tang. Rah! Hey, here comes the tiger versus the uh, versus crane. So like he goes to the um, he goes back to the like you know the Shaolin like Wu Tang style, like where it's like you know they're almost it's like a tiger versus a crane where they're so like while there isn't an overarching like theme to this, I think the underarching would just be like the yeah Shaolin versus Wu Tang, like they're having like a like kind of like a battle of sorts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, listen, 
you're not a dumb this dude's not dumb like i mean he just he, he's got a line about like keeping shit stains in his drawers but like there is something like actually eastern eastern philosophical about uh the tiger versus crane like that's not that's not that's not some like surface commonly known thing like, it's, it's a like it's a style of or it's a it's a it's a martial arts thing like it's a martial arts trope we could call it i guess like the tiger the strong tiger against like the somber elusive crane like it's there's it's a concept within martial arts about like two opponents and like how one is like how one is like a charging you know piston and the other is like this like like sly and cunning uh creature like it's not stupid it's a it's a concept it's a real concept yeah, like the the, the the brash versus like the graceful exactly yeah there's like there's there's like something actually very thoughtful about about that line and like it just so happens to come off of like a line that seems as though <laughs> like well and he's really building his own persona and i mean we could talk a little bit about old dirty bastards i mean there's not you don't really have a lot of ceiling though to go with cleanliness when your name is old dirty bastard this is a good point this is a fair point this is i mean like if you're like if your name's old dirty bastard you'd be like i think i get into shit and let out like diarrhea and like talk about gonorrhea like once it happened one time he's like i'll be honest he's like but it was (laughs) just a gupper he's like it was only it was only the clap and then he's like i got i I keep shit stains in my drawers. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> I'm I'm old, dirty for a reason. Yeah, I mean, he like I wonder if it's like a chicken or the egg thing, the chicken or the egg thing, because like, um, uh, like he developed this persona for the group, and then like in 1993, his legal issues began. Like, not not to say that he didn't experience like you know trouble with the law prior to that. I would just say, um. This in 1993, he gets some money, like from this album, I'm sure. And shit just starts going. Listen, I'm gonna just come out right out and say it. Old Dirty Bastard, I like admire him as an artist. This dude is a piece of shit. This is a fucking bad guy. This is a bad guy. Did it's he a- ever did he ever lie to you? This is true. This is true. There was should have been no <laughs> did he ever sugarcoat it and say that he was the good guy. <laughs> he, he's literally he he embodied truly what he's a music icon. Like that is that is undeniable. And he, in his persona, it's like, it's kind of like Gigi Allen. Like, you know, the story of Gigi Allen, like Gigi Allen was just like the worst, like just the disgusting, awful person, just, just a terrible, terrible person all all the way through. And like, whatever, like I've seen the documentary about him. I've read enough about him. Like, I know I didn't know the man. So so I'm judging from where, but I can only use the information that I have. And like, you, you self mutilate and you defecate and yeah, people enough and then you get yeah you got i get, that, I, like, I get, okay, I get being a, edgy i get having problems I, I i understand it yeah but like it's it's not hard to like put two and two together and like odb was like once again i will reiterate an icon of music but a terrible person i mean this, this is a crack cocaine addict this is a guy with multiple felonies he's probably connected to multiple murders well there's um, another chicken yeah, before the egg was it, he might just be a product of his environment you know what i mean well, yeah, but then in this case, me. I feel like, well, I mean, you can make that argument for anybody, but you still got to be responsible for your actions and like home invasions and shit. Like, um, he was connected to, uh, he pleaded guilt- guilty in 1998 to attempted assault on his wife and was the victim of a home invasion robbery at his girlfriend's house. He was shot in the back and arm, but the wounds were superficial. Um, he's arrested to pay for, arrested for failure to pay child support, uh, arrested for assault and attempted robbery. Um, 
1998, only days after being shot in a pushing robbery at his girlfriend's house in Brooklyn, he was arrested out for shoplifting. And this is, I remember this story reading this when I was like really young. He's I remember, I remember the uh, child support thing. Everyone's like, why'd you just pay child support? <laughs> he was like, hell, he's got all the money. Well, well, this is the example right here. It's like in 98, he was arrested for shoplifting a pair of $50 shoes from a sneaker stadium store in Virginia Beach, Virginia, although he was carrying close to $500 in cash at the time. He was issued bench warrants by the Virginia Beach Sheriff's Department to stand trial after he failed to appear in court numerous times. He was arrested for criminal threatening after a series of confrontations in Los Angeles a few weeks later and was then rearrested for similar charges not long after that during a traffic stop, the details of which remained clouded in multiple versions of events. He was arrested for attempted murder and criminal weapon possession. The case was later dismissed. Okay. Uh, in 99, shortly before the killing of Amadou Diallo, um, not sure. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if that's a person of fame or anything. Two officers from the street crimes unit fired eight shots at older passenger and accused him of firing at them after they stopped his car in Bedford Stuy. Um, Old Dirty Bastard was cleared by a grand jury and insisted that the officers had been scared by his cellular phone, no weapons or shell casings besides those were found. Okay, so maybe that maybe he's got he, he listen, he might not be as bad. I mean, a lot of these cases are getting dismissed, but at the end of the day, this is the one that gets me right here. He's arrested for driving without a license. Okay, that was a big deal. And for being a convicted felon, okay, recidivism, this is a problem. Um, but then he was arrested for drug possession of crack cocaine and traffic offenses. So this is where it gets a little funky. Dude's got three kids. He's a crack addict and he does die of a drug overdose. Like I'm, I'm a sympathetic person. It's, it's, that's a, it's a tough life to be like super famous and full of money and like probably have some ho a horrible environment to grow up in. But like, I don't know, at a certain, at a certain point, this is like, this is a lot, <laughs> a lot of examples of like pretty horrendous behavior. Um, and I don't want to make his career about that because old dirty bastard is like, he should be celebrated for his musical contributions and his, um, and he, he clearly had some serious, serious problems. Um, and unfortunately passed in uh, 2004, before, uh, just before his 36th birthday. Um, he overdosed on, it appears to be a lethal mixture of cocaine and prescription opioid tramadol, oh. uh, which was uh, apparently an accident, an accidental overdose. So that's, that's terrible. You know, it, it's, it's sad because his life was sad. It seemed as though his life was sad. I think he had kind of alienated himself from, the Wu-Tang Clan to some degree, um, even at that point. So it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It is. It's a bummer. Um, did have a solo album too. Really good solo. A lot of them had solo albums. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. They all only built for Cuban links by Raekwon is a all time great album. Truly liquid swords by Jizza. Another one. Yeah. Iconic album. Liquid Swords is crazy. Liquid Swords is fucking crazy. That's probably the best. And that's my favorite of the solo albums that any of them did. Um, Ghostface Kill had a ton and still pumps out uh, music to this day. I mean, he had a, he just had an album out in 2019. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, we won't go. <laughs> went a little long on, on We kind of veered away. I did want to talk about Old Dirty Bastard before we keep rolling because um, just a this group is not Wu-Tang Clan without Old Dirty Bastard, I will say. A defining member, for sure. So, rolling into the next track. Uh, Errol, what is next on Enter the Wu-Tang? What's next on 36 Chambers? We've got what? Uh, uh, clan in the front. Clan in the front. All right, let's pump it out. Take a listen. Take a listen. 
could have been my favorite song of all time <laughs> really um, no so here here's that it's a it's a quick uh it's like a compliment sandwich i guess because it's it's just the beginning dude the beginning is like the hardest shit <laughs> the fucking wu-tang killer bees around this and like the beat the boom like that that shit is just fucking too and it also it's just the intro it's not even like the song and so here's the thing um this is like the like epitome of like a 90s like club song yeah like just yeah. they tried to like do like have like a dance going or whatever I think you know loses I mean? me though like i was i was actually in a total agreement with you but i wanted to add this this piece to it like sorry to interrupt you I, i'll let you pick up where you left off i did want to say before we moved off like you were saying you're right that beat is just pure 90s fucking baseline like it's like a stand-up bass like like it's it's hot as fuck it's one of the hottest instrumentals in the whole uh in the whole album but Rizza kind of loses me towards the end. His like his his uh his flow gets a little bit kind of forced from my perspective. Well, um, yeah, and I just um I don't like how how like it switches up towards like the like the club banger, and maybe it's just because I'm like a I wasn't like in the clubs around that age, but it's just not something that uh like I I would like listen to I would like listen to it, but it's not something I would like go out of my way to. Like uh, well, you mean when it switches to when Jizza comes in, it, it, the whole instrumental kind of shifts. Yeah, where it like technically goes to the actual song. Yeah, yeah, I like beginning... I like the intro a lot too. I, I just yeah. I almost wish they would have switched. Like I would have rather heard Jizza flow on the first part, um, because I think Riz is kind of. I mean, he's. It's not that he's. I don't know. There's something about that just doesn't work. Where it's kind of like it's kind of a monotone. It's, it's for me it's like it's really one of the only parts of the entire album where i'm like I'm this this track is hot as hell you know who would have fucking murdered that instrumental mm. earl swisher oh yeah that shit was the first built one for, that it was built for earl swisher i mean he was he wasn't even born yet i don't think but that the just that sound of like that just just it's kind of minimalist too 
Yeah, they had like a what is it? Um, the Alchemist did a bunch of stuff like that, kind of. True. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's basically just like it's it's only like two or three things going uh, instrumentally going at once. Mm -hmm. It's a great track. I do like the second half of the track too, though. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, no, I do. It's 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 a bump, but it's just um. Uh, it's probably not my favorite, but the the first part of it is it's literally so hard. It's yeah, fucking it's, it's 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 from the bowels of hell. <laughs> it's it's fucking magical. And here's the thing too, like has a, I think uh, that like has a lot of cultural influence. I it's not you can't quote me on this because I don't know if it's true or not, but I would imagine in the uh um uh, in the anime Naruto, the character Killer B, I think he was influenced very heavily by like the wu-tang clan and that like the wu-tang killer bees um, oh okay it's a it's just a character who's like one of like the top like leaders of the village and he's like they're all like ninjas if you probably know like the gist of like naruto they're all ninjas they do ninja stuff and uh this guy just uh he like raps like he like just writes songs like the whole time like he just uh he'll be like fighting and be oh i just thought of like a hot lyric and then like really like, yo are you serious he was like yeah no like bring it on like uh just give me a second wow. <laughs> like fish but yeah he's always but like just the name like killer b and like i don't know for some reason like uh that like i just i get like the feel of like just the samurai ninja like oh, war yeah. thing going yeah. down from the beginning with the Wu Tang killer bees we on the swarm and it's yeah, just it really uh, works and it really works as like a it, it, once again like and i think this this album just does an amazing job and i don't know what i don't know what to say more of like that this job in, or this album embodies wu-tang and their sound and the way and like the way that they rap together like aggressive yelling like just just aggressive in your face style of of rap music of rap lyricism or or that they just were just that good at maintaining that sound uh, across their career because they, they really don't deviate. They they always sound like this. And I mean, it's, it's this is obviously of a different like time, so it doesn't sound exactly the same. But they've maintained across many years, like just just kicking the mic around and just like spitting a cipher or two and then passing it to the next dude. Like, and this this album or this uh, this track does that also. I think Jizza uh, pro pro uh, provides some of the best lyrics. Um, in the whole album on this, like, um, I won't read off his, I'm not going to pretend it like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to spit his lyrics for him, but, um, th it's fantastic. His writing is excellent and, and his bars in this are excellent. Um, but if you are interested in that baseline, you can hear the three samples, um, from this, uh, for this track. Actually, there were six total samples. Um, the dialogue is also from Shaolin and Wu-Tang. A lot of the dialogue, I think almost maybe all of it is from that. Um, but the, uh, the drums are from also synthetic substitution, Melvin bliss. I think he reuses those drums throughout the, uh, the album. That's where he's getting that boom bap stuff. Like that's where it's pulled from. And then the, uh, the love you saved by Jackson five is in there as a soul funk. I think that's in the second half. The first half that bass is from which early you'll want to know this It's from a 1971 track called honeybee by the new birth. Um, so you okay. you want you want to peep that because you if you like that baseline that boom 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 like that that's if you're looking for that that's what that's from, um, and then the hook and the riff is from a once again a Thelonious Monk uh, track called Balu Bolivar uh, Balu Balu Air, um, which is from 1964 Thelonious Monk album, 
Um, who is the honeybee thing by? I'm sorry. Who is the honeybee thing by? The New Birth, uh, 1971 track. So you'll want to check that out if you like that baseline. Because I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna go back and this this is something I wanted to do, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to talk about the album first, and then I wanted to start diving into the samples like on my own after the fact because I was trying to focus on just their music. But I'm definitely gonna gonna peep some of this, these samples as well. Um, but like I said, I think if you if you search, if you do a deep search, you can find a um, there is an album out there that is Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers, uh, all samples. It's just all the samples um, slash. I think they even do like the, just the instrumentals and then they break the samples down. It's somewhere out there. There's a digital version of it. It might be on the underground webs, but um, feel free to look that up. Uh, that being the case, let's dive into the next track. Number four, we're going into... Uh, Wu-Tang, Seventh Chamber. Check it out. The God, God, what is wrong? Yo, what's up? I'm ready to fucking late. I'm ready to get busy. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, let's what's up, yo? Got... Yo, let's do what we gotta do, man. Fuck. Yo, we out of what? It's the God, God. Fuck that, man. Hold on. Fuck you say we out? Let's talk. Come on. Probably talk to two. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck is you talking about? Get the fuck out of here, man. Fuck you. So it starts off obviously with like that long uh, intro, that like dialogue um, to, to like kick off the, the track, which is obviously like, um, you know, the, it's basically just like a, it's almost like a scenario. I don't know. What would, how would you describe the, the opening of the song? Uh, there's a, uh, it's it, so, it, it's just kind it's of just like an argument, peep, right? Where, yeah, it's just kind of like a peep in to uh, like, you know, the life of. And he's like, uh, you know, Raekwon's just like, yo, like, where's my, where's my tape at? Yeah. And then he's and like, they just get into an argument about like, um, <laughs> then, then somebody, I think Ghostface comes in and like, uh, somebody get somebody got shot on, uh, somebody got shot like nearby, and they're yeah. like, they're like flipping out and they don't believe him, and it's just like, it's just like, here's what's going on here. This is like almost like a, it's like a dialogue written specifically to like, let you know that they're actually about this life. Like this is what they're doing. Right. This is how I was <laughs> like, I hate to like, like laugh about it with like ghost face. He's like, he's like lying there like a fucking newborn baby. <laughs> he said it's so New York. Is that the yeah, most New York like, anyone's ever seen? Yeah. Yeah, like a fucking newborn baby. Like, you're like, oh, is he dead? Anywhere. Come on out. He's like, is he, yeah, he's like, oh, he's fucking lying. They're like a newborn baby. God. 
Yeah. I mean, these guys are so Staten Island. It's not even funny. They're just, they're so Staten Island. I just, I was laughing because uh, this is a super tangent, but I was like, I was showing, um, I was showing my daughter the Home Alone movies, right? We watched the first one. Now we're watching the second one. And like every time Joe Pesci, something Joe Pesci comes out of Joe Pesci's mouth, I just start fucking dying laughing. And, and my wife was just like, she's just like, why do you find people from New York so funny? I was like, I honestly don't know. But I, can't I can't get enough. It kills me every time. It kills me every fucking time. It's just something about like the Italian, like straightforward. Well, like, Joe Pesci is just like, he's so New York. He's just so fucking New York. You're not going to throw a fucking brick at me. <laughs> he's just so fucking angry all the time. It's so great. It's so great. <laughs> He's so angry. He doesn't even need to act. <laughs> no, he really doesn't. It feels like it doesn't feel like acting. And pe- I don't know. There's something about people from New York. They're just like somehow that like secretly deep down in my like DNA. They're just like my people. I don't. I mean, I, I'm not from New York City. I've grown up in New York, but I'm an upstate New Yorker. But like, I don't know. Something about those people. They just they get me every time. Uh, and when <laughs> and Ghostface, man, whenever you hear him speak, I mean, he is just absolutely hilarious. He's great. Um, Diving back into the track, though, uh, this track, once it kicks off after the dialogue, oh, my God, it is a just a juggernaut. This is a juggernaut. This is probably in my top three, definitely my top three, maybe maybe two, maybe number two on, on the uh, track list for me. This thing is like, this sounds like Big L. This sounds like early 90s. Like, uh, this sounds like Mob Deep, right? This is Mob Deep. This is a Mob Deep instrumental, basically. Yeah. It's like kind of evil. It's ominous. It's got like, um, it's got. It still maintains that Wu Tang sound, um, but it's it's also just. Uh, I don't know. This the, the lyrics are just incredible. And when they when they pop off on this song, they pop off like really aggressive. And like especially Ghostface. Ghostface is like he's he's bringing the heat on this track. Um, and uh, nobody's got like super in depth lyrics. I feel like. Um, I mean, they, they're they're basically status quo, but like everybody's got just the same amount, basically the exact same amount of bars, and almost everybody gets in on this track. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing too is like literally everyone, but they all just get it's just a quick like uh uh oh I was gonna say like eight bar almost. Is it eight bars? No, no, no. Bars? Sorry, like a four. It's like a four bar. Sorry. Oh, everybody's got the four bars. Yeah, something something about in that range. But everybody's on this track too. I mean, it's just it's. Uh, I said that like um, dismissively, but it's actually true. I think almost. I think basically everybody's on here. Um, you got Ghostface Killer. You got Jizza. You got Inspector Deck, Method Man, Old Dirty Bastard, Breakpoint, and Rizza. I don't think anybody's missing. Other than Master Killer, Master Killer was not on this track. Like, he's like, and you got you God's also not on this one. So you're missing two. You God's only on like one track. Yeah, that's true. But he is a member. He's and Fourth Disciple also did all the scratching on this album. I, for, I forgot to mention Fourth Disciple, big, big important um, producer for sure. That's uh, got to be mentioned, uh, especially on this album because he had a he had played a big part in the production, um, at least in that, at least in the scratching department. Um, but uh, let's look at the samples for this one. Just another, just as an iconic track. I mean, one uh, like as great as that intro is, like once they actually kick into the track, the true track um, of uh, the what's it? This is Seventh Chamber, right? Is what we're talking about. Uh, I'm trying to find the, uh, the sample list here. If you just give me, bear with me one second. Um, just a, um, it's it's a masterclass uh, track. Here it is. Um, 
in terms of instrumental, I just, I love this instrumental like deeply. This is a fantastic instrumental for me personally. Um, and uh, there's some dialogue. You ever, this is the other thing I want to mention. We have, I can't believe we haven't said it yet, but like the, the, um, the Shaolin and Wu-Tang dialogue is strewn all over this album. And it's not just in like the pieces of like, you know, you obviously hear it at the beginning of some of the tracks or in the middle, you hear like little bits of it that's dropped. Right. Like during, during the ciphers. Mm-hmm. And um, this has got a sample of uh, the first broadcast from good morning, Vietnam at the beginning. Um, but this, the music sample is used uh, the drum, the drums he's using on this one is from a Lonnie Smith track spinning wheel from 1970. Um, the he's using a bunch of elements from the, the Charmels track as long as I've got you from 1967. And then the uh, sound effect that uh, I think is like kind of that synthy sound that's going on in the background. That's from an Otis writing track called Down in the Valley from 1965. So those are the, those are the samples from Wu-Tang Seventh Chamber. Uh, Errol, what do you think? Do you any, anything you want to add or should we move into the next track? Um, yeah, no, I just want this is a, I really like this one because it's a, oh, it's like true hip hop. You know what I mean? Like just a, like the backstory, just like, uh, gritty life um like the non-glamorizing part like a lot of uh that uh, a lot of stuff that like the only thing that people or it's it's a lot of stuff um where it's like a reality for some people where they have really nothing else to like look forward to yeah um and it's a uh, it's it's a disposition you can only really get by kind of like living and it's just uh i i i really like the song i think it's a um it's a it's a nice uh it's a true like uh disposition on like uh or it, it it's like it's a true uh look into like a uh like a really good hip-hop song like where it's just uh it's got all the yeah it's got all the elements right like all the elements you would look for in like a classic hip-hop song it's all there you're not missing anything and it's and it's all above it's like above and beyond and um, it's like it's fun. real too like it's it feels yeah. visceral Feel it definitely does. Yeah, I love that line. That opening line from Rizzo always gets me. You getting stripped from your garments, boy, run your jewels. Which, by the way, um, that's I mean, you wonder, you wonder if run your jewels is uh, run the jewels. If that's the derivation of that, or um, I mean, that phrase is obviously exists outside of Wu Tang, but you wonder if you know if that's what uh, influenced Killer Mike. Um, no, Killer Mike's probably never heard of the Wu-Tang Clan, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you getting stripped from your garments, boy, run your jewels. All the meth got me open like fallopian tubes. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Um, being open is someone being excited in the 90s New York speak. See Black Moons, don't front, you know, I got you open. Okay. Okay. So see, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, what's the word? Um, you know, I'm not going to remember the rule. I'm not, there's a word to describe like, um, code speak. What's the word? I can't think of it. Anyways, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. Next track. Uh, next track coming up. Let's do the next one. It's going to be, uh, can it all be so simple slash intermission? Number five on the on the enter the Wu Tang thirty six chambers. Yo, get the, get the fuck out the rain, nigga. Get the fuck. Oh, so who the fuck is that? Uh, hey, yo, ghost, yo, Ray. What's up with y'all niggas, man? What the fuck y'all niggas. Ah! Hey, you know everybody's talking about the good old days, right? Yeah. Everybody, the good old days, the good yeah. old days. Good old days. Well, yeah. let's talk about the good old let's days. Let's talk about them shit. Hold up, baby. Take you on this 
lyrical high real quick 8 now okay can it all be so simple slash intermission this is ghostface and raekwon and then in the intermission you get more than that i think you get uh, you get some method man in there um what do you think about this one errol kick us off um it's uh one of the more like depressing ones um <laughs> kind of like uh almost in the, in the same ilk of how i described the last one this is also another good example of like uh what I like like in hip hop is uh this is like truly like so if the last one was like if everything's not all glams and uh glitter and glam it's just kind of gritty this one is like this is just like a kind of uh just shows how like really like bad it could get like for for some people you yeah. know what I mean like um it's a it just it, this is another thing that so almost more so than the last one that that's really shows like a the true nature of uh, the reality of what a lot of people have to like experience and like what they, what they came from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just violence and robbing and, 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 you know, like I said, drug abuse. Yeah. I mean, the drug abuse is obviously a big part of this track and um, it is sad. This is a fucking, this, this is a definitely the saddest album or the saddest uh, track in the album. I think bar none, like without, mm-hmm. without question this one. And especially given the sample or the uh, instrumentation or the instrumentals for this one, uh, it just gives it a very like somber sound, right? It's almost like they're just hoping that it could be like, yeah. I mean, see, it only actually uses two samples, but they're both like, and you can definitely hear like the very the soul and the funk and the disco, like that, that's in there. Um, and it looks like the two samples that you use it's a Klaatu track, uh, Anus of Uranus <laughs> from 1976. Uh, I'm my 12 year old self has to laugh at the the title there. Um, and then the other one, which I would say is probably the more predominant one, is Gladys Knight and the Pips, and that is uh, the way we were slash try to remember. So that is, those are the two samples from that one. Definitely a somber track, very like. And and in in all honesty, not to be um, critical of the song, because actually it's a it is a great song. Um, definitely my least favorite though. Um, mm. Not my because the rest of the album is so fun to listen to. This is the one that like loses me a touch uh, just because I, I find myself going back to this track the least because it is, it is also like doubled with that intermission part, um, which doesn't help uh, re-listening, but it also is definitely the darkest. Um, a lot of lyrics about, about choices and shit, like choices that, that people had to, that men had to make in these uh, positions for sure. Oh yeah. So uh, on that somber note, uh, we just hit the halfway mark. Let's dive into the next one. Uh, next one up. This one's a, this one's a, I'm going to tell you right now, this is my number one. This is my number one track on the album. I love this album and it's a great pick me up after the intermission. We're talking the mystery of the chess box. The game of chess Take a listen. It's like a sword fight. You must think first before you move. Tone style is immensely strong and immune to nearly any weapon. It's probably used. It's almost invincible. 
raw, I'ma give it to ya with no trivia. Roll like cocaine straight from Bolivia. My hip hop will rock and shock the nation like the Emancipation Proclamation. We get MCs approach with slang is dead. Them eyes are running to the wall and bang your head. I push a force, I force you doubting. I'm making devils cower to the caucus mountain. Well, I'm a sire. I set the microphone on fire. Rap styles vary and carry like Mariah. I come from the Shaolin slum and the ally I'm from is coming through with enough niggas, enough guns. So if you wanna come sweating, stressing, contesting, you got your soft swords at the midsection. Don't talk the talk if you can't walk the walk. Phony niggas are outlined and chalk. I'm mad vexed, is what the projects made me. Rebels to the grain, there's no way to barricade me. Steamroller niggas like an 18 wheeler with the drunk driver driving. There's no surviving. Rough like Timberland, where? Yeah, me and the clan and yo, the land cruisers out there. Peace to all the crooks, all the niggas with bad looks. Ball head braids, blows his hook. We pack home text, nigga play the max. Black axe, drug dealing styles with fat stacks. Only been a good nigga for a minute though, cause I got to get my props and win it. Yo, I got beef with commercial ass niggas with gold teeth. Lampin' in a Lexus seat and beef. Straight up and down, don't even bother. I got 40 niggas up in here now who kill niggas for me. My people's all you with me where you at? In the front, in the back, killer bees on the tap. My people's all you with me where you at? Smoking meth, hitting caps on the block with the gap. Here I go, deep tight flow. Jack you stole, can never get this. No, I'm Terry Bomb and shit. Boom, that's warming up a little bit. Rapping in is what's happening. Keep the pockets stacking in, hands clapping in. At the party when I move my body. Gotta get up and be somebody. Grab the microphone, put strength to the bone. Dan, 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 until the Wu Tang zone. Sure enough, when I rock that stuff, up, up, I'm gonna catch up, 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 up. Kicking rhymes like Jim Kelly or Alex Kelly. I'm a m- beetle belly rhymes. Coming raw style, hardcore. Niggas be coming to the hip hop store. Alright, the mystery of chess boxing, Errol, I mentioned before we threw in the sample that this is my new metal uno on the track, uh, or on the album, Where's This One Land For You? Where's it, where's it rank? Where's it rank? Where, I mean, you don't have to give your official rankings, but like, is this is this among your favorite? I always, I had a feeling, I was mentioning, I had a feeling that this was like in your upper echelon on the track. It just sounds like you. It sounds like MF Doom. It sounds like in that in that vein, um, just based on the so, instrumental alone. But what, I, what do you think? Yeah, based on the instrumental alone, I I absolutely love the song. It's um, it's got like the the perfect uh, feel for like you could almost like boil down the whole album to this one. Um, if you if you wanted to, it, it, I don't think it'd be disingenuous if you had to, because it's got like you know the uh, you got like the Oriental or like the uh, the the uh, those like a kind of like the Japanese beats going on. That's exactly what I thought. It sounds super Eastern, right? Like, yeah, like that twangy, like synth, whatever those synth keys are just like very, like it does. It sounds like, um, it sounds like a, like a, uh, like an Eastern, like a, like a shop. Like you just walk in this shop. So not to like, like meta break down the name, but like we were talking earlier about like the tiger versus the crane. Yeah. And like, I feel like the phrase the mystery of chess boxing is a good is a good figure for like a tiger versus a crane. Like if you do you, like do you know a chess boxing match? Oh, like, yeah, there, actually, yeah. there actually is a chess like they actually made it sport. real. It's like a sport now. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Where like you, you literally play it, you play it, you do a round and then Yeah, you do like a time thing of chess and then you box. Like so 
Yeah. To yep. what degree would it be better if you could just like beat like if you had to face someone in a chess boxing mate? And how is that? I don't. It's probably spiked by me just having to like listening to these songs over and over again. I was like, but what degree? Like, who would win in a chess boxing match if it was like you know Mike Tyson or like the chess grandmaster? Like, <laughs> what is the what's the perfect like combination of like boxer to like I can just beat you. Like with this, like you start with chess first, of course, because if it's boxing, like, you know, one person's just going to roll it's up. Just, like, that's when it ends, right? That's but I, I, I feel like I feel like that it's a good balance of masculinity. True. Um, yeah. No, the tiger, you, you, the tiger you and the crane callback is exactly right. That that was yeah, you, you nailed that. And it's like the uh, the uh, the mystery of chess boxing is like, is it is it better to be strong or is it better to be smart? Like, what is the perfect balance of both like strength and knowledge of like force and um like uh experience yeah and it's like well the sample from the film which i would love to watch at the this the actual like sample that they used from the film is title it has a title it says a game of chess is like a sword fight so like because there are movements right there's just like the, the, it's the contrast in movements like well everything you're setting up stuff you're always setting up for an end yeah, game like exactly. that's um it's a uh, stuff this is boxing too though that's why the boxing yeah. It works as an all as like a substitution for the sword fight because it's also like boxing is the exact same way you you're you're throwing uh, faint jabs two faint pump jabs because you're not because you want those to land or because one of the two needs to land it's because it's for the fifth shot that you're going to throw after right, that. you want them to get like comfortable with it yeah well you go downstairs you go downstairs to the body to, so you can come upstairs with an overhand or you know th- these are all these are all philosophical in in a very deep way in the martial arts. Beautiful. It's a great, it's a great track. And it just, it works beautifully as just a hip hop track, like without all of like the, the deepness of, of like what it's, what it's getting at. And by the way, this one has uh, almost everybody on it as well. And a, a, a co-producing a co-production uh, credit to old dirty bastard. Um, would you say that MF doom is like, is like our generation's old dirty bastard just as a hip hop figure, not not as a person. Is there a comparison? Kinda, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's this like scruffy uncle. He sounds like him. They have a very similar voice. I keep hearing MF doom. When I, like they, their voices sound very similar. I mean, obviously MF doom doesn't do like the singing and the, he's not as like crazy and spastic as uh, old dirty bastard, but like, I hear some MF Doom in there. And that for me, from my perspective. Um, but a co-production credit for o- ODB on this one. And he is on the track. You got Ghostface, you got Inspected Deck, Master Killer, Method Man, ODB, Raekwon, and You God on the mystery of chess boxing. Uh, for samples, you got this track uh, Tramp by Otis Redding and Carla Thomas from 1967. And there's some dialogue from another Kung Fu movie uh, called Five Deadly Venoms um, from 1978. Uh, my favorite track on the album for sure i, I just I, I love the flow is perfect it's a little bit fast paced it's like almost like a time and a half uh speed like i don't know something about it it just uh it, it speaks my language it like and it because it, it's kind of what represents in my mind what it, what alternative hip-hop sounds like it's very kind of outside the the overton window of like what is um considered rap music like of this era it kind of right, like it like what what was acceptable yeah exactly like it's like 
it, it doesn't and even after the influence of this album this song still sounds different it's just still it's set it's really set aside and it's perfect too because it uh my favorite wu-tang songs are always like give me a sample from a kung fu movie and then go right into the track and then like it's formatted just the way that i like it where well, like, that's why oh. that's that's probably why i like really like liquid swords yeah because it's that's what it is the whole time Right. Some of it's a little long. He uses like like I remember the song Liquid Swords itself is like so it's like that opening is like I think it's like a full two and a half minutes before you. Yeah, but is that the one it. where he's like, "My father was a samurai." Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, you know, I love it too. I love it too. But when I put it on, sometimes I'm just like so like I, I sometimes when I put it on, like I'm putting it on because I want to hear the track and not the intro because it maybe heard the intro one too many times or something. Yo, I'm the opposite. I'll put the thing on just to listen. <laughs> just watch the movie. Just watch the find the Kung Fu movie. Oh, that is amazing. Liquid Swords is, yeah, man, we should do Liquid Swords sometime. We should do a whole lot of that because there's plenty to talk about. Yeah, it won't, it won't be hard to fit in. It won't be hard to justify. No, just as the man. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving into the next track. This one's iconic in every possible way. Errol, you said it at the top of the pod. Wu Tang Clan. Fuck with That's next. Talking Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Errol, I'm gonna let you lead it off. You said it best. This is your favorite track on the album. Tell us why. I think you're muted. 
Yeah, because you're putting words in my mouth. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I, said, I, <laughs> I said this is almost this could be the best. All right, I'm sorry. I won't, so I won't. it's I think this is the pinnacle. Yeah, the pinnacle song of it, and it is like the probably like arguably the hypest track. This is the legit one that if you're like a describe like Wu Tang Clan and like one song, it would it like it, it I would choose this one. Bingo, um, for sure, yeah. And uh, it might be the most like recognized song from this one too. Strangely, I think you're right. Yeah, because and like it, Cream is we're gonna get to Cream, but like Cream is like the track that's considered like it's got the critical. Uh, reception it's like the most uh, I would say it's like the it's the most known by title but this is well even this one I think this one is actually more known quietly but like I feel like cream is always considered to be the best out like critically most critically received or best critically received track on the album but this one is like this is this is uh what's the word uh, uh this is like uh it's like equitable with uh, without like it equates Wu-Tang Mm-hmm. It's like their. It's almost like their mission statement. Synonymous. That's the word I was looking for. It's synonymous with Wu Tang, like mm-hmm. their sound. I'm with you. Um, Wu Tang Clan on F. What a what a track. I mean, and by where I was just as we were just listening to it on uh, as we were doing the sample, like the baseline when this shit like when it comes in, like they build it, build it, build it, and then when that baseline drops in, like that is unbelievable production. Unbelievable production. It's right, yeah, that is how that's how you like write a song out. That's how you build with the whole song. Yeah, and they're yelling, right? They're like, yeah, because yeah. so by the time, yeah, and but by, by the time it gets to like the hook, they're screaming Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with, and you're like, they're not. <laughs> like, <they're fucking> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm really curious on the samples for this one too. Um, let's pull them up. Uh, yeah, so you got okay, yeah, the vocals, some of the vocals and lyrics um, in the background uh, as a sample. You got the song Underdog by the Alan Toussaint Orchestra from 1989. Never heard of that. Um, you've got Papa Was Two um, by Joe Tex, 1966. There's your drums. More of the drums. You've got Nobody Beats the Biz. That's by Biz Marquee uh, featuring TJ Swan in 1987. Nobody Beats the Biz. That's funny. Um, you got a sound effects from the Dramatics, 1971, In the Rain is the track. Um, more vocals from Tomorrow, the track Tomorrow from Andrea Marcardle, uh, 1977 from the movie Annie. So that's in there somewhere. And the film, uh, the dialogue, um, the element dialogue is Tiger Style um, by Executioners from Shaolin. Those are your samples from the track. So, well, give us the give us the skinny on it. Is this your number one? What is it? No, no, it's like my probably number two. Number two, okay, all right, okay. Um, yeah, we can we can throw it where we're at on it at the end, um, or which one is you know our quick little rank. No, I'll let you, I'll let you know. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. You always do. Um, all right, let's move into the next one. We'll keep this thing going. Uh, number eight. This is the one I just mentioned. This one's called Cream. Yeah, it is. Check this old fly shit out. Word up. Cash I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job. Had second hands. Moms bounced on old man. So then we moved to Shallon Land. A young dude, you're rocking the go tooth. Low goose, only way I begin to G York was drug loot. And let's start it like this, son. Rolling with this 
this one and that one Pulling up gats for fun But it was just a dream for the team Who was a fiend Started smoking wounds at 16 And running up in gates and doing hits for high stakes Making my way on fire skates No question I was speed for cracks and weed The combination made my eyes bleed No question I would flow off and try to get the dough off Shaking up white boys on board With a sick ass click and went all out. Catching keys from four C's, rolling in MPVs. Every week we make 40 G's. Yo, nigga, respect my, a nigga to check notch. Bow, move from the gate now. Cash moves everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. Cash moves everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. It's been 22 long hard years, I'm still struggling. Survival got me bugging, but I'm alive on arrival. A man with the dream, with plans to make cream, which fail. I went to jail at the age of 15, a young buck, selling drugs and such, who never had much, trying to get a clutch of what I could not. The court played me short, now I'm facing incarceration, pacing, throwing up states, my destination, handcuffed in back of a bus, 40 years old. Cash rolls everything around me, cream, get the money. So, if the last song was like their like MO, then like Cream's like their mission statement. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that because it is kind of like their, uh, it is their, it fits their, um, it doesn't really fit their sound. That's the only, that's the only like pushback I'll give you on that. Like in terms of maybe like, I, I agree with like your uh, lyrical um, assessment, but in terms of like the instrumentation, it doesn't really fit the rest of the album at all. It's, it's, almost, like, it's almost too too wind down. It's it's hypnotic, right? You no, know, it sounds like a lullaby almost, like the piano. I work. think I think that's why it works though, and that's <laughs> the thing. That's the thing too. It's like one of the most iconic like phrases and like uh, beats of all time. Well, here's yeah, the, the crazy. Definitely. Here's the here's the crazy thing too. Like this whole album is like. It, it's like uh, granted it stands on the shoulders of giants with like the stuff it's sampled but mm-hmm. like this itself is one of the most sampled albums in hip-hop like of all time oh like yeah. there's it's almost like if you if you get on like um what is it like the hot 97 like you need to do like a 36 chambers <laughs> like you need to yeah. i'm pretty sure like they have something it's called like the 36 chambers or something you gotta fucking just oh that's you gotta do 36 bars or something yeah, and it's just like the the Wu Tang, but that's you'll hear this stuff on every single like in in any cipher. It, it's it's never crazy for any of these Wu Tang instrumentals to pop up because they are just they're hip hop to a core. Yeah, and, and to reiterate that point, I'm a, so I've been using wh- how I'm finding these samples is through uh, whosample.com. Uh, it's a it obviously is a site to to cite you know sampling and what what tracks are being used, uh, and they use research to develop these pages. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate your point and really hammer it down. I would say that most of the songs that we've been listening to this, this is one of the most iconic hip hop albums of all time. And I would say the most I've seen for any one track, um, on this album has been like, it may, it has been like, some of these tracks have been sampled, like maybe 10 times, maybe 20 times, maybe 40 times, like at most, like on some of the more popular ones, like, uh, 
Wu-Tang Clan ain't, like uh, Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with or um, or even Bring the Ruckus. Like they've been sampled maybe 20 times, 30 times. Th- this track has been sampled, in accordance with this website, 355 songs have sampled the song. So, <laughs> so that much above. Yeah, like like yeah. 10 times any other track. Like that's how iconic Cream is, man. Like Cream is and uh the samples it's using is uh on the elements side it's using as long as i've got you by the charmels from 1967 um it's using some of the vocals and lyrical um and uh sampling from money dollar bill y'all jimmy spicer on 1983 and the hook that piano hook is from hey love by the delphonics from 1972 so i actually want to another one like this is good this i think this is a good component or element to the podcast because you get to kind of get an idea you can you guys can look this stuff up and take a listen to these tracks in their original format and like the the dna form um what it sounded like without the you know without the actual you know there's so I, I hate to be that guy. It, it's not really the case here because these are always like combinations of like Wu-Tang Clan is really, or the RZA was really good at taking the best parts of every song and yeah. like just using that. And that is, I think that's crucial to hip hop. Taking out the best, take, take out the best parts of something, just remove the garbage. You don't need it. Throw it away. Yeah, but it's not garbage. That would, that's too far. Because these songs might be great. I have to look. No, I, so I, here's the thing. Oh, I'm not saying, because here, the example I was going to say is, um, what I was leading into is uh, like a Kanye West. He's really good at taking those samples from like really good songs, but like not like deviating, like not like, so like, no, so that's not a, cause uh, I wonder is pretty much uh, almost like, like it's almost, yeah, he did. He didn't, it's almost like a one for almost. Yeah. It's almost like a one for one of, uh, of my song. Which is the, the irony behind that? <laughs> the first thing the guy says, he's like, "This is my song." And Kanye was like, "Bet." <laughs> my song too, bro. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, he's uh, really good at taking like the best parts of those things and like building off of them. And I feel like the Wu Tang Clan, like, kind of that, like, they didn't like start it, but they definitely like perfected it. Um, yeah. Making all that. like the coolest stuff and like cutting off the fat and just being like, oh, all you need is the fucking juice. Yeah, yeah, he's he's excellent at it, and he really does like, um, which I appreciate. And I think back then there might have been like some copyright stuff that like maybe he was worried about, and so they, when they use samples, they really stripped them down as much as they could. So they, you know, I, I mean, I think they were probably okay anyways, but because like they're doing as long as it's cited and I, I'm not really sure what copyright law looked like back then. And I don't really know how exactly it works today in terms of like how it applies to sampling. I, I would imagine that these guys would not be doing it if they had to get copyright funding um, for, you know, for every sample they use, they doubt it. I think that they're probably okay to, to they're probably good to go for like parody law or whatever's out there um, to, to, you know, protect them. But um, cream is genuinely one of the greatest hip hop songs of all time. And it's, it's undeniable. It's their, I think it's their magnum opus in terms of like their contribution to hip hop. It's not my favorite personally. It's not my favorite on this album and it's not my favorite Wu-Tang track, but undeniably the influence and the importance of this song is. Yeah, I guess you could definitely argue that for sure, that this is like their, their magnum opus. This is their track. Yeah. This is the track that embodies them. If it's their most popular song, it's their most like critically acclaimed song. Uh, the lyrics of the of the uh, the song is sad as shit too because it's it, I mean a few of those lyrics really hit you 
like in the heart too. Like life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough. When you hear him say that, you're just like, fuck man. It's almost like a, a, it's a lot of a a big L does a lot of stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. where his hard stuff's like really hard, but his sad stuff's like, you're like, dude, like I almost feel bad for this monster. Yeah, it really, it really is (laughs) for this monster. (laughs) (laughs) Necrophilia and stuff. You can't be like, yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think any of these people or any person deserves the trials and tribulations that they have to go through to like get there. But this is the the first time in the in the album, in my opinion, this is like the one time where I actually think they're taking a more critical look at like their environment and like actually because I think it's it's all about like youth and the corruption of youth and Mm -hmm. like and like obviously it's all about like kids are just trying to get money and whatever way they can possibly get their hands on it because they're desperate. And that can be about, that can be because of socio-political issues in the environment in New York city and uh, government problems, uh, state government problems, local government problems, lack of police force or police enforcement or police presence or whatever, whatever the, the situation is or whatever their political meanings are. But like largely this song is entirely about like how drugs and crime and violence um they fuck the youth it just completely ruins the youth and like this is what happens um it's almost like they're like this is a first-hand account yeah every yeah because well especially the verse from inspected deck like inspected deck is is like he gets like genuinely personal at one point i think he actually actually talks about his depression um i get oh yeah he says yeah right here he's like though i don't know why i choose to smoke cess i guess that's the time when i'm not depressed but i'm still depressed and i ask what's it worth like Ready to give up, so I seek the old earth. Who explained working, ma- working hard may help you maintain to lean to learn to overcome the heartaches and pain. Like this song is genuinely sad, and it really speaks to. There's nothing fun about this song. It's a very, very dark song, but it's an iconic hip hop song, and it's it's a it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece of a song. It's not my. It's like I said, it's not my favorite be- because it is so dark. Um, and I've heard. I think I've also heard it the most. Um, all the tracks on this album, but uh, undeniably, um, they're uh, they're they're apex in terms of uh, tracks. Um, that being said, what do you say? Let's move into the next one. This one's left me. Take a listen. I fucking hang you by your fucking dick off the fucking twelve story building out this motherfucker. I fucking I fucking sew your asshole clothes and keep feeding you and feeding you and feeding you and. From the slums of Shaolin, Wu Tang Clan strikes again. The Rizza, the Jizza, old dirty bastard, inspector deck, they corn the chef. You guard, ghost face killer, and the message. M E T H O D, man. M E T H O D, man. M E T H O D, man. Hey, you, get off my cloud. You don't know me and you don't know my staff. We'll be getting planned when they come to a damn. Here I am, here I am, the method man. Patty cake, patty cake, hey, the method man. No need skip, beat, jip, or beat the pan. Peanut butter, cause I'm not butter. In fact, I snap back like a rubber band. I be Sam, Sam I am, and I don't eat green eggs and ham. Now the hit ya, man, the got Shit, that's the jam. Turn it up. Now hear me get up. Wild, I'm a 
Michael, you think you're crazy? I'm fucking, I'm fucking too You know what I mean? Like so. What's it's your like favorite? What's your favorite? I mean, I mean, there's there's really like there's like five total. But what's your favorite? Is it? You know, go, go I won't speak for it. You tell me. It definitely has to be the curling iron. The curling iron. <laughs> or that that left a left a uh, clothes hanger. Oh, oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah! Put the hanger on the fucking stove for like yeah. a half hour. I like the one where he's gonna sew his asshole shut and just keep feeding, keep feeding, keep feeding. Feed. Feed. <laughs> <laughs> that one's like that one's pure comedy. You know, like, <laughs> and that's the thing too. Like, it's all like just like he's talking about like torture, like horrendous, but like it's fucking hilarious. Like, don't just <laughs> yeah. the, like it, it's so like absurd. The yeah, stuff he says that you fucking believe it. <laughs> Leave a hanger on the stove for like thirty minutes. Oh yeah, and he goes off on this track too. I mean, don't not to forget like, and he's also the thing that I love about Method Man is like, uh, which I, I should say like, I mentioned that there are other uh, MCs on this track, but they're not they're not like spitting bars. They're just they're just the, the, you got Raekwon like going um, back and forth with him in the torture sequence. And, but the method, this is Method Man's track right here. Like this is his mm-hmm. time to shine. And boy, does he do it. And he's got a good chorus too. Like he's like, I got fat bags of skunk, got white owls, got white owl blunts. Like, like that when he's singing, like that shit's catchy as hell. It's really catchy. Um, oh yeah. The, there's no one else that could uh, say the green eggs and ham. <laughs> be taken seriously. I promise. Yeah, no, 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 no. Method Man has got, he's like, uh, by the way, I should mention that this is pre, this whole album is pre Red Man. So no Red Man on this, uh, on this album, um, which is saying something because, uh, Red Man becomes a pretty big member of the Wu Tang Clan at some point. Um, but nonetheless, a, uh, this is a great, this is a great track. And it's, it's a perfect bridge track between, because I was, I was thinking this before, um, the stretch i think it's the greatest stretch in any rap album in my personal opinion to go um for for me at least chess boxing wu-tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with cream method man what's next is protect your neck and then tears that like so, track so stretches that, that nothing is better nothing. i was go that's what i was going to say towards the end um and that is why I think this is like it's easily on the Mount Rushmore of yeah. uh, of hip hop albums. I would technically like I would put it on the Mount Rushmore of my albums, yeah. Um, just because of the what the significance it holds. And like Mount Rushmore, it's got to you got to be like the past. Like you could be, or are you gonna do Chisel new thing up there now? No, it's got to be like uh, the the pioneers and that fucking god damn run it's crazy. it's crazy i would crazy. go so far so i would i i would almost say like a can it be or can it all be so simple but like no like of like the hardcore from like no, uh, chess boxing, chess like boxing a, through tears is like that is the best stretch of hip-hop tracks well, in any album ever made i'll i'll give you i'll shorten it up no one's gonna be in a four four song stretch of Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with Cream Method, Method Man and then Protect Your Neck. It's just impossible standard. Yeah. I'm tell I'm telling you, especially like with the with the cultural significance it has. I don't <laughs> think, and I don't. They're all the four great songs. They could have each been on their own album. Oh, yeah, if you just did those four songs, I mean, that's still that's only that's like twenty minutes right there. It's just twenty am- amazing top of the line minutes of absolute. 
hip-hop legendary status. And speaking of which, let's move right into it. Let's talk Protect Your Neck. Yo, next. I never, ever called and asked you to play something, right? Yeah. You know what I want to hear, right? What you want to hear? I want to hear that Wu-Tang joint. Wu-Tang again? Uh, yeah, again and again. <laughs> Especially based on the instrumental. I fucking love that instrumental. It's my favorite instrumental on the, on the album, I think. Um, absolutely love it. And it, there's a hint of... It's like almost a spin on the West Coast. Um, sound. Yeah, the... Yeah, that like... That, yeah, that whiny, like... I don't know, I'm not sure. But it's sped up. It is. It is sped up, too. And it's still got that... that the baps on the boom bap is so much crisper than it is out on the West Coast. And it and it moves with that pace, that like New York hustle and bustle pace instead of that like laid back, lazy California style, like that West Coast style is always like like all that music out there in on the West Coast is like, and I'm not shitting on that. This isn't an insult, but the, it oh it is so much laid back because it's so like kind of weed centered. Like it's all about like not that you know East Coast East Coast rap music is East Coast got a new hitter and Jake. You hear that West Coast? He says, "Fuck yo." <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 you're gonna be you're gonna put a number on my head here <laughs> no it's not it's just that the west coast shit is so much more chill and laid back because that's just the style that it's that's just the, that's also the culture and like on the west coast it's just a lot slower paced everybody's just high and like 
especially in the nineties, like this is just how it was. It wasn't, you didn't get like this, like, this is that fucking grind. This is New York hustle and bustle. And this is like fast paced bringing heat. Like, and this track is iconic. This is as iconic as any other track on this album. It really is. Um, yeah, that's why it's probably my number one. This is your number one. So he says it with a yawn. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I would say that this is my number one. Yeah, it's my number two behind chess boxing. But yeah, I could, I get it, I get it, I truly get it. Um, fucking and man. just another good word of advice: to protect your neck. <laughs> why is it why are the ufc fighters not walking out to this like you got to get like a, a jiu-jitsu uh, master like, <laughs> that's got to be the walkout track <laughs> like why did Habib not walk out to this he should walk out to this like his whole career i fucking majority of the stops to rare naked choke <laughs> <laughs> gotta protect your neck or somebody should, or a UFC fighter should just like uh, get this, get it like tattooed on the inside of like a, uh, of his arm, like where he would lock up a fucking RNC. Or protect your neck, just in case you. It'd be tough to get it like on your own neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're like, well, you won't remember because you can't look at your own neck, so right, help you. Um, no, this this is this is and this is kind of I love that they kind of put this towards the end of the album too because this is this is all of them. This this is the, like I think it's one of the only tracks that truly has everyone except Master Killer. He's the only one that's not on this one. Um I believe. Let me double check if that's the case. Yeah, it's got everybody's got a fucking bar on this one. Ghostface, Jizza, Inspector Deck, Method Man, Old Dirty Bastard, Raekwon, Rizza, and You God. They're all here firing on this track just absolutely going in i mean it, it, and i think i think fun. that's the reason why i like it so much it's everyone and they're all just bringing it they really fucking are they really are it's a it's a masterpiece of a song and it is a uh um it really and it does the same thing that a couple of these other ones do especially uh as i was saying like um uh, what, what we were saying about wu-tang clan ain't nothing to f with like it true it sounds like them it embodies their sound. It truly, it's synonymous with Wu Tang in, in almost exactly the same way. Um, let me just see. I wanted to pull something up about this track, but uh, I'm having a hard time finding it. That's okay. We'll, we'll move on. It's we've we, you know we've covered everything almost, and uh, we're almost at the end, so we'll just push on through to the next one. And the next one is also just as iconic and just as fun to listen to. Uh, next track up. This is the 11th track on 36 Chambers. This one's called Tears. I ran frantically, then I dropped down to his feet. I saw the blood. 
Uh, that's Tears on the 11th track on the uh, 36 Chamber iconic album. Um, Errol, what do you think of Tears? Tears is also, I would put this in the mix. I know you were mentioning those four. Um, for me, this one fits in. This, and I like that it would be sandwiched Tears and the Mystery of Chess Boxing being the, like, the bread of that sandwich. Mm-hmm. Because they're kind of in the same vein for me, like where they embody like an alternative. It's not quite, it's still Wu-Tang. Sounds like Wu-Tang. And I think they, this might be a, a little bit of a hot take. We'll see what you think about it. I actually think Wu-Tang started to drift towards this sound as they yeah, later sure. in their career. Yeah, they're kind of more like laid back, like, uh, I don't want to say like lazy, but like. Uh, they just slowed it down. Yeah. Like they the slowed it down feel. and they made it um, more like. Yeah, I guess that's just the way to describe it. Like, they have one of their newer albums uh, I remember listening to. Not the newest one, but maybe the one from, like, about 10 years ago or so. Uh, that one had a lot of this, where it was, like, kind of just that slow pace. But the, the the bars are coming quick, but, like, the instrumentals are kind of late, a little bit more laid back. RZA was going for a different sound. Um, and it definitely sounds like alternative hip-hop, for sure. Mm-hmm. Let me hit really quickly the um, the samples for this. I think that's. I want to hit. I want to make sure I hit that because the, they gotta have some good samples on this one. I would imagine. Yeah, you got you got "Get Me Back on Time" engine number nine uh, by Wilson Pickett. You got a Barbara Streisand track, "The Way We Were" in nineteen seventy three, and you've got "After Laughter, Come Tears," uh, which I actually think is probably the derivation of uh this, this is I, this is why i love rizzo because he listens to like some all kinds of music like he's got yeah. such, a, such a good uh diverse catalog of of interest uh this is why when you kind of you kind of have to if you want to sample music you have to know other look like, it's easy to sample a sample but like to get the actual meat and potatoes you have yeah. to you as a hip-hop guy like if you're a hip-hop producer like you've got to be listening to everything especially like jazz like you gotta you gotta be into jazz. You gotta be into the roots R and B. You gotta be into you gotta be into guys like Wilson Pickett, and even so, you even gotta listen to a Barbara Streisand album too. Like, you gotta have it all, and uh, that's what makes that's what makes this album what it is for sure in terms of instrumentation. But uh, Tears is a great one. Uh, it's it's a, I I would I would put it on the same uh, echelon for me as like something like. Um, uh, seventh chamber it's like probably in that in that kind of mid-range it's like a like an eight out of ten for a track whereas like you've got those four and then chess boxing that are probably in a little bit upper echelon probably high nines um but a, a excellent track um, only Ghostface and RZA on that one too so that, that was built for those two to, to, to go back and forth on all right let's close this thing out Errol we got one more this one's Wu-Tang seventh chamber part two Go to them camouflage large niggas. Fuck is my bottom.
Champion gear that I rock, you get your boots knocked. Then attack you like a pit, then lock shit down. Cause I come and freaks the sound, hardcore. But giving you more and more, like ding. Not sure to get you open like six packs. Killer bees attack, flipping what? Murder one fat tracks, alright? I kick it like a night flight. Work life, I get that ass raw, going spike. Check the method from bedrock, cause I rock your head to bed. Just like rocking what? Twin clock. Shake the ground while my beats just break it down. Raw sound, going to war right now. So you're bombing, we usually take all niggas' garments. Save your breath before I bomb. I be that insane nigga from the psycho ward. I'm on the trigger, plus I got the Wu Tang swords. So how you figure? And you can even fuck with mine. Hey, yo, Rizzo, hit me with that shit one time and pull the player. Nigga, say the beat for the cow. I'm milking this hoe, this is my show to cow. The fuck you wanna do? Boy, this mic beats do. I'm like a sniper. Alright, that's the seven chamber part two Wu-Tang uh, from the uh, 36 chamber album. Errol, what do you think about this as a closeout track? Does it work for you? Um, it's... It, it does because it is... I, I really like the uh, beat and everything. Um, it, it might just be because I'm spoiled. Because, like I said, that big four there. But uh -huh. it's uh, it's definitely not wrong to tone down as you... As you yeah, that's exactly what they did. Right. It's it's definitely not my favorite album or my favorite uh, track on the album. Um, it just it just doesn't do what I'm looking for. It's not it's just not scratching my itch. It's fine. It's almost like it's almost like a combination of everything. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, and it's also like kind of like a two. It's like a double song. It's a double track. I mean, I'll, I I enjoy listening to it. It's but it's definitely probably in the lower the bottom three uh, on the album for me um i think the bars are fine but i there's something about the instrumental that's not quite working in the same way that i felt i felt that way about the whereas like the the instrumental of um the instrumental on uh uh clan in the front like that the instrumental worked but the lyrics didn't or the the riz's bars didn't work whereas this one's like the inverse where it's like i i i'm i like everybody's uh I like everybody's lyrics and everybody's, uh, you know, ciphers on this one, but the uh, the instrumentation just the instrumental just didn't work for me quite as well. I'm not sure why, but uh, for me it just didn't. And then it obviously has the conclusion uh, leads to the conclusion, which is just um, dialogue. Uh, really, just them. <laughs> I mean, the album closing on "You Best Protect Your Neck" by RZA is like that's kind of like perfect, right? That's. Mm -hmm. That calls to maybe that maybe you're right maybe that is that's supposed to be the uh, the track of the album. Yeah, no, I would um, I'd hate to uh, put words in their mouth, but that's it is kind of like what it looks like. Yeah, yep, yeah. I mean, it's 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 as good as it gets, but um, like I said, not not a perfect way to end the album um, from my perspective, but it still works as a, as a, as a hip hop track. I do, I do enjoy listening to it, but it's, it's just missing that. It's not hitting that extra gear that the rest of the album does for me. At least. Uh, that being said, that concludes the, uh, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers album breakdown track for track. After this, uh, let's take a short break, Errol. Um, when we come back, we are going to give our rating and a quick review of the album and then tell you what's next coming on the Peripheral Reviews podcast. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Quick, the blast and hard rock. I ran up in spots like Fort Knox. Some hot top-notch ghost things with logic. Flashbacks how I attacked yo. 
whole project I'm raw, I'm rugged and raw I repeat, if I die, my seed will be ill like me Approaching me, you out of respect, chops your neck I get vexed, I crashing up a fat ass leg So clear the way, make way, yo, open the gate Peace of mouth, chanting like a runaway yo, slave You're getting stripped from your garments, boy Find the jewels, all the mess got me open like a lopian tool I went deaf to a snake when he least expect Ain't a damn thing, tank boy, protect your neck Rule a zigzag Take a large jam is fatal. Quick to stick my root tanks worn right through your navel. Suspenseful, thoughts being brought through my utensil. The pencil, I bring strong winds up against you. Have them, they run through your county like the Mavericks. Caps through the tablets, I got to make the fabrics. <laughs> Okay, thanks folks for uh, hanging in there through the uh, 36 Chambers Enter the Wu-Tang uh, album uh, analysis that Errol and I have uh, gone through. Not, a, not exactly a deep dive, but it wasn't really, it's not an album that really calls for the deep dive necessarily. It's more so about just, just a, an appreciation 30 years after the album came out. Um, it's an absolutely uh, pillar of, of hip-hop music, especially East Coast hip-hop music, as we've mentioned time and time again. Um, here, the the members of the of the group. I just want to reiterate them. The guys respond. These are the these are the guys responsible for this album and in, in its in its entirety. Inspector Deck. You got Fourth Disciple. You got Ghostface Killer. You got Jizza uh, Genius. You got Master Killer, Method Man, Old Dirty Bastard, Rizza, Raekwon, uh, and You God. And there was obviously some of the members of the album. Um, album came out. Uh, it was released on. November 9th of 1993. The studio was Firehouse, uh, Firehouse Studio in Brooklyn, New York. Um, the label is BMG, RS, RCA, and Loud uh, producer, and also the executive producer was Rizzo, as, as forementioned, um, and is uh, considered to be one of the most important albums of all time, regardless of genre. Um, and I think that I think that holds true. It's an absolute masterpiece, uh, front to back. It's the most influential hip hop album of the 1990s. Um, so I'm going to go ahead with my rating first this time, Errol. I think I think uh, I've made you go first every other time, but um, so I think I'll take the I think I'll take the the lead on this one. It's getting a big fat ten out of ten from me, and I think it's one of the easiest. It's actually one of the easiest grades I've ever given uh, anything on the podcast, and I actually think it is. I think it's the best piece of and it's the best thing we've ever talked about on on the podcast so far. You think ten like the most important best thing that we rated. I think it's the most critic. It's the most critically received. It's the, and I actually think it's in terms of like pop culture. I think it's the most important thing we've ever. Uh, it's the most. It's the best piece of content we've ever. Le- least like peripheral view. Yeah, for real. Yeah, it's definitely that because it's one of the most mainstream, most important, most talked about albums of all time. So it's definitely certainly not in the peripheral view sense of the podcast, but one we absolutely had to talk about and. I, I think it's the best thing. It's the across music uh, and film. Um, I, I think it's, it's the best. It's my favorite thing that we've talked about so far in terms of, it's my favorite piece of content to, to visit and, and listen to or watch. Um, it, it stands alone. It's 10 out of 10. Easy. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Cause I'm going to give this a 10 as well. Um, oh, yeah. 
I gave Napoleon Dynamite a ten. Oh, the hell do I look like not giving this a ten? <laughs> you know, but um, <laughs> yeah. but um, like you said, this is easily like the I guess it, for lack of a better word, the the best ten. Maybe I should get a better rating system and like more forethought. But hey, I'm new at this. It's a it's a solid ten. Other than Napoleon Dynamite was a it was a ten for me for me. Right. right. This is just a solid ten. This, this is, is something a 10. I would. Early, this I is would, a ten would, basically no matter who you are. Yeah, I would on a I would on a unabashedly like be like hey like no listen to this like napoleon down to my that's kind of a hard sell like be like yeah it's like kind of not, but like you know what i mean it just spoke to you this this speaks to anyone if you're if you like hip-hop music which you would never be listening to this to um you've never listened to wu-tang if or this album if you didn't like uh hip-hop so that being the case like if you, you if you're already into hip-hop and you're listening to this hip-hop album this is a 10 out of 10 every time has to be and I, i'm not telling that people have, what opinions to have but like this it's it's just one of the most important albums in the history of music and um i mean across listen to these uh just on the critical reception side of things it's like um over time enter the wu-tang became one of the most highly regarded albums in hip-hop the album was originally given a four out of five mics on out of five on the source magazine however it was given a classic five mic rating in a later issue Ooh, the source catching that heat um xxl magazine gave the album a classic rating of xxl in its retrospective 2007 issue um in the book spin alternative record guide enter the wu-tang 36 chambers has a critical rating of eight out of ten from spin damn so i guess not I guess that kind of <laughs> that kind of uh, goes against the grain on, on what we're talking about. Um, in naming Enter the Wu Tang one of the fifty best albums of the nineteen nineties, Pitchfork Media staff member Roly Pemberton summed up the album's critical recognition uh, by writing, "This is the sound of an accidental fame. Something as unique and unusual as this record isn't supposed to find itself at the height of commercial viability. It's supposed to smol smolder underground, hidden from the view of mainstream America, who sh who surely would not be ready for such a challenge. But America was ready, in part because this one challenged convention, not listeners. Sure, it's sloppy drum programming, bizarre song structures, and unpolished sound quality disturbed commercial rap purists, but the talent was so inherent and obvious, and the charisma was so undeniable that it propelled the Wu-Tang clan to the height of the rap game and today stands not just as as the hip-hop classic that introduced the concept of obscure thematic characters each member's names references old kung fu movies but also bridge the gap between traditional old school sensibilities and the technical lyricism of today which is that's a really nice review i, I completely agree i agree with almost that entirely um i would say that it's I, I would the only thing i would add to it is that i think while there is some traditional old school sensibilities, I still think that this album sounds like an alt, like an alt rap album. I think it kind of stands aside from like the, the and I disagree with the traditional sense. I still think that I think they founded the traditional sense of what it sounds like. Um, I mean, there is boom bap like construction there, but like this shit stands alone, man. It's so stripped down and so like different. Right. Yeah. But yeah, a masterpiece. So, so we're both going ten out of ten. I, I appreciate that. And you know what? Well deserved. Has to be. Has to be. Right. It has to. It just has to be. Um, and I couldn't uh, couldn't be happier to give uh, anything a ten. So far on the podcast, I'm I'm not surprised that this one's getting a ten out of ten. I kind of knew it going in. Uh, it was still, definitely. I, sorry, about I that. felt controversial with a lot of my ten calls. Not this one. No, this one's this one's a sure bet. It's a sure bet. It was a sure bet going in. It's a sure bet going out. It's a ten out of ten um that's it we talked about the end of the wu-tang album 36 chambers we talked about it as best we could obviously there's more to discuss and plenty more 
um, discussion around, you know, production stories and stuff like that. But uh, as far as our perspectives on what the album sounds like and what it does for us, that's all we got. Um, let's talk about what's coming next in the peripheral views podcast. Up next, we are going to do a uh, UFC 296 preview show that should be coming up in the next week or so, pro- at least in the next week for sure. We're going to have to knock that one out. Hopefully probably around next Monday. Um, that'll be out on the airwaves um, next week towards the end of the week. I would imagine um, maybe, maybe midweek we are going to have uh, a introduction to the film series. Uh, we are going to be talking uh, being able to be the 10 year anniversary of Martin Scorsese's 2013 um, huge, massive hit. We're talking Wolf of Wall Street. We're going to be talking about that in the middle of next week at some point. Um, so you got two episodes to look forward to in the next week. We're going to be pumping them out. Um, and then we've got some good holiday stuff coming down the pike. Errol and I are going to sit down in person. We're going to do an in-person recording. What do you think about that? Errol? Yeah. You ready for that? I know we've never done that before, but I think we'll be, I think we'll be fine. We technically have. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. In a previous podcast life, for sure. Many, many times. Never here though. No, no, not on the peripheral views uh, airwaves. So for your viewing pleasure, yeah, for the for the, view, the viewing and listenership uh, pleasure of our unless own. like unless like someone's here and in that case, hi Pat. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Biggs? Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, this has been the peripheral views podcast. Let's close this thing out. Enter the enter the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers. Ten out of ten. Masterclass. One of the greatest albums ever made. One of the most important albums ever made. Glad to talk about it. That being said, that's it for the Peripheral Views Podcast. I'm Jake. That was Errol. We're closing this thing out. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, on the way out, let's hit a little housekeeping. On X, we're at Peripheral View 123 soundcloud.com peripheral, uh, forward slash Peripheral Views 123 Check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we're on our website, I'm sorry, is peripheralviewspodcast.com. And if you want to reach us, peripheralviewspodcast.gmail.com. That's it for us. Have a great night. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll see you on the next round of the Peripheral Views. Bye.
up. Let the 